And now, introducing the man who was so excited about Navy's upset victory last night that he could be seen running through the streets of Kingsville wearing nothing but a David Robinson jersey yelling, Wee Wee, Navy! Despite all this, he's still in the running for Mets GM because, well, it's the Mets. He is Glenn Clark. I think I'd do a hell of a job if I'm being honest. I think I'd be a tremendous general manager of the Mets. Seriously. Good morning, it's Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. He is Paul. It's a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of the program. We'll get to that here in a bit. Today's show brought to you by our friends at Glory Days Grill. Of course, we're giving away a $25 gift card to Glory Days Grill today as part of Would You Rather Wednesday. So get your responses in at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter or Facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio as I get them posted because someone who participates will be chosen at random to win that $25 gift card to Glory Days Grill, where you can take advantage of $6.99 burgers on Mondays, $5.99 nachos on Thursdays, and just a tremendous menu at all times at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com, again, is the website. You know what I realized yesterday because we fixed some of these settings? We can move the on, uh, on MixLR. We can have that middle setting back up at uh, zero. We don't have to have that uh, down below any longer, so... Just something that I noticed as we were playing around with some sound things. We're trying to, I know a lot of you reached out to us and said, hey, the sound's been a little off on uh, Facebook Live. We're working to fix that. Unfortunately, we feed a lot of masters. It's weird. It's very strange. I got, a, I got uh, Master Steve and Master Tom and Master Jim and Master and Commander and the actual Masters Golf Tournament. They're all lined up, and I've got to cook for them all day. And I don't understand that. I don't know why. That wasn't what I signed up for here. Um, but now we're trying to perfect the audio. We're doing our best, I promise, doing our best. It's a very small operation. We don't have a staff of 100. And most of this, most of this was Kyle Ottenheim. Actually, it was very little of his responsibility, if I'm being totally honest with you. Um, but we're doing our best to try to get the sound stuff figured out for you so we have it perfect moving forward. But glorydaysgrill.com, again, the website for you to find out more, get to your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. Take advantage of everything they've got going on there. Busy day on tap today. Andrea Kramer is going to join us in a little bit. She's calling Thursday Night Football for Amazon tomorrow night. She's literally a Hall of Famer. Uh, she and Hannah Storm do the uh, Thursday night broadcast on Amazon. It's sort of the alternate broadcast. There's a couple alternate broadcasts they do with Amazon. Um, also this morning, John Kinjemi, former Baltimore Stallions quarterback, now an analyst for the Miami Dolphins will check in with us. We'll uh, talk about uh, the Dolphins. I, I know we're all being very dismissive of the Ravens' opponent tomorrow night and believe that the Ravens should just wander down there and kick their asses and there should be no problems. But is there any world in which the Dolphins are more of a threat than perhaps we're giving them credit for? We'll ask John Kinjemi about that a little bit later on. Uh, Paul mentioned what a win last night for Navy basketball going on the road, knocking off Virginia Something about Virginia and facing uh, mid-major teams from the state of Maryland. They don't do well with it. We'll talk to Patrick Stevens, our first uh, weekly appearance from Patrick Stevens of the college basketball season. Recap that. Maryland opened up with a victory over Quinnipiac that uh, nobody really got to see because it wasn't on TV. It's what it is. 
thought the Big Ten move was going to get all the games on TV, but it's nothing, 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 nothing to be said. Nothing to be said about that. But uh, we'll talk him, to him about that. I know he was in College Park last night for that. Uh, Towson went up to Albany. That's a nice win for them on the road to open up the season. Uh, UMBC battled with UMass. Actually, North Carolina got a, a bit of a battle from Loyola last night, frankly. Uh, but uh, both came up short. We'll talk about all of it on the first night of the college basketball season with Patrick Stevens. And Drew Forrester will check in to do whatever it is that Drew Forrester does. I num- I'm not really sure what he does here, but he joins <laughs> us every Wednesday. And he will do that a little bit later on in the program. So that's all coming up on the show today. Um, so, yeah, so Del Beckham did indeed clear waivers. So now we're waiting to see where he might sign. A uh, bunch of teams have been rumored as potential interest and potential targets, and we'll see. But we're, I, it could happen, I guess, at any moment, frankly, that Odell Beckham signs with the team now that he's cleared waivers. Uh, don't know if he's in a rush, like wants to be on the field somewhere this week, or if he's willing to maybe take some time and uh, decide on what the best fit is for him. But that's sort of the big story. The other big story in the NFL really is this Dalvin Cook situation, and it's very confusing, and I'm not sure what to make of it. And you have to separate two very different things, right? Like the first thing is, obviously, the the real-life ramifications of this are far more significant than the football ramifications of something like this. And we have to be able to say that and, and understand, like, there's no conflating that. There's no confusing it. It's clear. Whatever happened between Odell, or not, not, not Odell Beckham, it's very clear, between Dalvin Cook and this woman, whatever the story is, that's more important than whether or not Dalvin Cook plays football moving forward. That's, that's, we have to be able to say that definitively. But, boy, is there a lot to unpack with this particular story. And these text me- or these these Twitter messages that look very damning for Dalvin Cook. Like you can't look at that Twitter exchange and think anything other than Dalvin Cook's a monster and shouldn't be playing football. But then you read his side of the story and her barging into his house and yeah, you know, I there is a lot there. And the NFL's gonna have to sort it out, the Vikings will have to sort it out. Clearly, if you're a fantasy football player, it's something that you're thinking about. I'm not I'm not going to lie to you. In the league where I own Dalvin Cook, I scrambled to find out if Alexander Madison was available on the waiver wire today because that's the realities of playing fantasy football. But as I say that, I'm again, I'm trying to make it very clear. That's not as important as the real-life aspect of it. But I don't know. I mean, like, it's there is, there is so much there, and it sort of casts um, quite a shadow over the Vikings over the league as you're investigating this as you're trying to figure it all out are you allowing Dalvin Cook to play in the meantime that's a really difficult thing that we've we've been talking about in a few different instances which is while you're trying to sort out the truth and figure out exactly what happened you run the risk of allowing someone to play football And then if the truth that you find out is this person really is a monster, like this person really is an awful human being who did something truly terrible, how bad does it look for your league that you were allowing them to play when you knew there was something there, when you knew there was something uh, untort, whatever it is that you want to say, that that was somebody that you were letting get on the field and score touchdowns and celebrate with their teammates and all of that when there was reason to believe they might have been a bad person. 
It's a very difficult thing to do because we can, you know, we we combine that with the presumption of innocence that exists in the court system in our country and with certain situations having a little more gray area than others. That some stories, once you see the evidence, you say, no, no chance, no effing way. And honestly, if those Twitter messages are real, I don't think, even even with the confusion of the story, I don't think I would be comfortable letting Dalvin Cook play until that's completely investigated and completely resolved and that you are comfortable that he was defending himself and did not attack this woman. Again, the message, if you haven't seen it, it, it does not look good. There's no getting around it. It just does not look good for Dalvin Cook. Um, there is this 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 Twitter exchange, Twitter message exchange that is going around that was reported by somebody, and uh, this is Rochelle Olson. And I unfortunately don't know much about Rochelle Olson, which is part of the problem. Apparently, Rochelle Olson works for the Star Tribune, and she reported this. She's called it a text message exchange, but in looking at it, it's it seems to obviously have been a Twitter message exchange. And Dalvin Cook says, I know what I did can't be rewind, but I just want you to know I'm sorry. I love you so much despite you thinking I don't or never did, but I do. Whatever you need, I'm here for you. And if you want to go to the police, I'll respect that. I'll take my punishment for what I did. To which this woman responds, Dalvin, my face is so messed up, I probably won't even get to go see my family for Thanksgiving. He responds, and I'm sorry for that, but the situation just got out of hand from the jump. Can you come back to me? To which she responds with a picture of her face, and it is, you know, it's clear that something has happened, something has occurred. The, the confusion comes from the statement from Dalvin Cook's uh, attorney. On the evening of November 19, 2020, uh, uh, Graceland Trimble broke into the home of Dalvin Cook and assaulted him and his two house guests. Sergeant Trimble and her attorneys are now attempting to extort him for millions of dollars. While Mr. Cook and Sergeant Trimble had a short-term relationship over several months, she became emotionally abusive, physically aggressive, and confrontational and repeatedly attempted to provoke Mr. Cook. Sergeant Trimble damaged his vehicle on at least two occasions, assaulted him, and attempted to stop him from seeing other women. The state of Minnesota applies the Castle Doctrine as it pertains to self-defense, which means when an intruder enters your home, you have the right to defend yourself and your family or guests. The right to self-defense includes the use of deadly force based on the nature of the perceived threat. Almost a year ago, on the evening of November 19, 2020, Sergeant Trimble unlawfully and without the consent or knowledge of Mr. Cook entered his residence in Inner Grove Heights. Sergeant Trimble gained entry into Mr. Cook's residence with a stolen garage door opener. Upon entry into the residence, Sergeant Trimble immediately and without provocation physically assaulted Mr. Cook, punched him repeatedly, and maced Mr. Cook directly in the eyes and then maced his two house guests. While Mr. Cook was trying to alleviate the burning of his eyes from the mace, Sergeant Trimble sprayed a second round of mace in his face and then proceeded to arm herself with a firearm. Now again, that, that side of the story would make you say, okay, I can understand why, you know, if that's true, there would have been an altercation that might have left someone bruised, 
And you might be able to say there's gray area there that if somebody really did, I don't care who it is, male, female, came into my house and started attacking me, I would be forced to defend myself. But how you measure that against those Twitter messages, I, I don't know. I have no idea. And in the meantime, if you're the Vikings and you're the NFL, it's quite the story that's played out, represented by the attorneys. Does Dalvin Cook have footage in his house? Does he have cameras in his house? He's a wealthy human being. You would think that perhaps, you know, security camera footage might be something that he would have. And if he does, I would try to present that about as quickly as possible. How about the house guests that were there? That also so that's the, I think the word was that they these two witnesses, um, they say, will speak on Dalvin Cook's behalf, right? Mm-hmm. And then it, it, do, it sort of becomes a, you know, if your friends w- – what what is what is her group going to say? Well, they're his friends. Of course they're going to. You know, like it this has become this unbelievable sort of he said she said situation and I don't know what the answer is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't have the answer. But I think it would be very difficult until I was comfortable until it was adjudicated allowing someone to play football. I said before, if that's the collateral damage of this, that's this this thing where we go over the top, where if someone says, hey, while we investigate this, m- maybe we don't let Dalvin Cook play football, and someone screams back, oh, you're taking away someone's rights. I thought it was uh, innocent until proven guilty. Though, you know, all that, that nonsense that typically comes. It's, it's all, of course, it's nonsense. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. You would still you would put Dalvin Cook on paid leave while you investigated the situation. He would lose no money in the process until you find out comfortably, until you are confident in what the actual story is. If you don't, there's greater risk that you're the team that did nothing. Remember, in the aftermath, the, the, the Baltimore Ravens did nothing wrong in an elevator in Atlantic City. But the Baltimore Ravens, in trying to defend Ray Rice and show him as someone who had been such a stand-up guy for such a long time, completely missed the boat on the actual situation. And instead of saying strongly, no, we detest domestic violence, we're going to step up and be the ones that punish Ray Rice as much as we possibly can. They promoted Ray Rice, allowed that insane press conference. The Ravens made horrendous decisions in the aftermath of the Ray Rice situation. Now, that happened you know, in an offseason, and by the time we got around to the games, that second video had come out, and, you know... Uh, Ray Rice never played another down with the Baltimore Ravens. Or and, anybody. Uh, or anybody. And, and Ray Rice is, is attempted to reclaim his life, and they, every human being deserves that right. And I, and I respect that, and I appreciate that. And I don't, you know, I, I don't hate Ray Rice by any stretch of the imagination. I'm glad that Ray Rice is, is a, a solid citizen who uses his voice and um, attempts to, to help others in, in situations. I'm glad those are the case. But there's no obligation that someone has to be allowed to play football again. And it's the type of thing, when we do this, we say, are you going to deny someone the right to make a living? No. That football is not the only way that someone gets to make a living. That's not the way that it works. And if every team says we're not going to do this, that's the reality of the circumstances. I'd, I, if I were, if this, if Dalvin Cook played for the Baltimore Ravens, my preference would be, Nah, I I don't think I would want him to play. Not right now. And I get it that that story is quite compelling that was presented by his attorney. Mm -hmm. And if there is more evidence that the Vikings have seen that they are super confident, I mean, like, beyond a shadow of a doubt, confident, and that's the truth, 
then I would be preparing to try to share that evidence as, pu- as quickly and as publicly as they are legally allowed to. Because in the meantime, I'd just be really uncomfortable. If, if this was a Baltimore Raven and I was doing, or I was doing the show in Minnesota, I would say, until I see that evidence, until I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I'm uncomfortable with this person playing for my football team because that, that Twitter message exchange, while it doesn't prove that the story he told isn't true, it's very difficult to, 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 to sort of justify both things or to, to believe that both things are true. It's very difficult to read what he said and say that's something that someone would do in the aftermath of them getting attacked. Why would you be messaging with someone when you were attacked right. and apologizing for what you did? And I get that sometimes relationships are toxic and people are just toxic and you just didn't say insane things. But that's still a very difficult combination of evidence that's being presented for me to just believe the story that's being presented by Dalvin Cook's attorneys. So that's where I would be. I would prefer if he, if he was a Raven or if I was in Minnesota, I would prefer you don't play him. That's that's the collateral damage in order to try to make sure we get this right. Now, my memory is a little bit foggy on this, but didn't the Vikings deal with this? Uh, with Adrian Peterson when he used a switch on his with, son with his several son, years yes, ago. And he played the first game and then didn't play again. Was that the Vikings that suspended him? Was it the NFL? Boy, Paul, I don't remember off the top of my head. Yeah. I just don't, off the top of my head, I don't remember. Um, and it's a different circumstance, obviously, because that one, there is there is far more gray area about debate related to corporal punishment. And, you know, like, while I certainly, you know, looking at those pictures, it is there's no way to defend Adrian Peterson. The topic itself, of whether or not a parent should physically, you know, punish a child. Mm-hmm. There is more gray area within that discussion. And it's why I think Adrian Peterson has been able to come back into the league and 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 has not been a pariah necessarily. Um although clearly a lot of people that have involved in domestic abuse have also been able to come back to the league because there's no video of it. It's just the right. reality of the circumstances. Um I do think there's there's no gray area about domestic violence mm-hmm. whatsoever. There's nothing that can justify it, again, unless this story is true, that you were actually attacked. And if it's true, you're just left with this sort of confusion about why it is that you sent this Twitter message that you sent. Like yeah, that's, that's the confusing part about it. It correct. just doesn't make any sense. That's the part that if, if all we had was the pictures and then the story from the attorney... You know, there would be more gray area for you to say, all right, this is quite believable. This is quite believable on Dalvin Cook's part. But when you measure the story from the attorney with the Twitter messages, you find yourself saying, yeah, that doesn't that doesn't really jive. That doesn't pass the smell test, honestly, and makes you say to yourself, I, I don't think I at least need to know more. Maybe his story is true. And again, maybe he was in just such a toxic relationship that he really would apologize for what he did despite the fact that he was attacked, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, the notion that that can't happen, that's not true. It, that can happen. But I need to know way more. I need to investigate th- that way further before I'm just allowing Dalvin Cook to play football on a Sunday. That's if I'm the Minnesota Vikings or if he was a Baltimore Raven, that would be what I would hope a team would do in those circumstances. And I won't apologize for that. That's that's my line. I've made it very clear. I don't need everybody on my team to be perfect, to not make mistakes. There are plenty of things. But this is the one. Domestic violence needs to be the line that I can say, uh-uh, not crossing it. Once you go there, I don't care if you're Dalvin Cook. I don't care how good you are. 
That's it. We're not crossing that line. And I need to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you didn't. And today, it's hard for me to feel comfortable about that. Yeah. Not trying to be dismissive of the topic, but, you know, there's other things that we're going to talk about. And clearly, we're not in Minnesota. Um, the ramifications of this, you know, do they do have a football impact. And, obvi- you know, we'll do the fantasy football show tomorrow with KZ. And it'll be something that'll have to come up. I mean, that's 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 the reality of this. That real life is more important than football and fantasy football, but there are ramifications, football wise and fantasy football wise. We'll talk about that tomorrow morning with KZ on the Press Box Fantasy Football Show. We do it every Thursday morning at 11:30 a.m. Brought to you by CCBC Glory Days Grill and the Maryland Department of Transportation. But in the meantime, we're going to talk some more Ravens Dolphins. We had to do this a little bit earlier on this morning because of her travel schedule. And getting ready for a broadcast tomorrow night that she is a part of for Ravens Dolphins. An honor to be joined by a legend, Andrea Kramer, right here on GCR. Of course, Ravens Dolphins tomorrow night, Thursday night football. And as part of Thursday night football festivities, Amazon will have our next guest in Hannah Storm calling the game. She is a legend in our business. It's always a pleasure to welcome Andrea Kramer back to GCR. Andrea, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's so good to chat with you as always. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us. Of course. Great to talk with you, Glenn. How are you doing? Everything is well. Everything is great. The Ravens are 6-2. and two. What will we complain about in Baltimore, right? I mean, Absolutely. I'm sure they'll still find something, but it, it looks pretty good in this wacky season. No, it, it, it is. That's a great point, too. It is. An, uh, you know, just a week ago, we saw, boy, it, it's, it's not hard to be far from one of the top teams in the NFL right now because nothing is a sure thing in this league. Um, Andrea, just in general, when, when you know that you're working a broadcast and it involves Lamar Jackson, is there, is there an, an extra amount of excitement knowing like you're, you're watching one of the truly transcendent talents that this game has seen in such a long time? Glenn, absolutely. There's no question. Uh, spoke to Lamar yesterday as part of our production meetings and just this, this sort of joy that, that he brings. Uh, and it's really, it's, it's interesting because we were talking about this after we got off the Zoom with him, which is even in two years, I see such a difference in talking with him. And you have to almost remind yourself he's still only 24 years old. But listen, I think what he's doing and the way that he has evolved his game, not changed, but evolved, matured, uh, and really just the way that, that he has become this truly viable pocket passer who, oh, by the way, has, you know, legs like a gazelle. It's just, it's really amazing. He's so much fun to watch. And, um, and yeah, I think that, uh, you know, listen, I was joking with John Harbaugh. I said, and I know coaches, they, they roll their eyes. They hate the idea of, of something being a trap game, but, after last week, when the Bills lose to Jacksonville, isn't that sort of great ammunition for you to take to your team and go, truly, guys, right. any given Sunday? So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to see what, uh, what Lamar is going to do down in Miami. It's this unbelievable feeling we have right now, Andrea, because the Ravens are, are injury-wise flawed, right? Like, they, they lost... They're top running backs. They lost Marcus Peters. They've now lost to Sean Elliott as well. They've lost the, you know, half their offensive line during the course of the season. And yet what you just alluded to, you look at the AFC right now and, and you say to yourself, but, but why can't it be the Ravens? Like what, why, what reason is there to think that despite the fact they've been so decimated by everything they've been through, 
it couldn't be the Ravens. Who couldn't they beat in the AFC at this moment? Well, listen, as for the, as for the injuries, um, obviously every team goes through them. And it's incumbent upon a great general manager like Eric DeCosta and his staff to really build the depth so that the next man up mentality and mantra does work in action. But also, you got to remember, everybody's coming off of COVID last year. We had the Ravens last year, the, the game that was moved 17 times, it feels right, like. And, right. you know, you you got to play with who you have out there. And if it means, God forbid, it's the Denver Broncos who actually don't have a quarterback and are starting a wide receiver or it, whoever it is, you, you have to be able to field, have depth on a team. So, of course, losing on the running backs was a blow. Losing Marcus Peters really changed the calculus of, of the defense because it, it, it made the back end much more vulnerable. But, you know, this is, this is, this is the game now. And, oh, by the way, it's 17 games. I've got to real, real, always remind that to people. Right. Uh, but you, you have to be able to have that mentality of withstanding whatever is thrown out at you. And when you have a coach, you know, in his 14th season as consistent as John Harbaugh, you know, you, you're, he's not going to let the ups and the downs affect the team. Uh, you, you just have to be able to, to power through it. You know, the one guy, obviously, you don't want to be, you don't want to lose and is, you know, you hate to use the word irreplaceable, but let's just say that there's a precipitous drop is obviously Lamar. A hundred percent. One, I mean, a, a thousand percent, right? Like your season hinges on this because th- this is the guy. He's that player. That's the reason why he's right back in the MVP conversation after winning it a couple years ago. Andrea Kramer is with us, of course, uh, she and Hannah Storm on Amazon tomorrow night. Uh, You can check out their broadcast. What you got to do is go to Prime Video and then go to your settings and select Storm Kramer from the audio menu. I stole that right off your Twitter page so I'd be able to sound professional, Andrea. That you read it well, thank you. That's that's yeah, the way I mean, that you do it. We're a great option for people, and and we'd love to have folks check us out. I, I know you've been doing this for a few years too. Can, can I, you know, I, and and I, actually, you know what? I want to stay with the Ravens, and I'm going to ask you something about that if I could. Um, when you look at this roster and everything that you just talked about, 100% accurate. When you look at this roster, what really jumps out to me, Andrea, is Lamar Jackson has clearly been unbelievable. But what really is to me the biggest difference, we've never seen a Ravens team that we felt this good about their wide receivers at the moment. And yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Sure. Right? Like, and, and I'm not trying to, you know, years ago they had Torrey Smith and Anquan Bolden. That was good. But these are two young receivers that both appear to be coming into their own. Marquise Brown has been a number one caliber statistically wide receiver for a year now at this point. And Rashad Bateman, despite not having a training camp and not spending much time with Lamar Jackson, has looked unbelievable in his first three games. I, 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 at the fear of being hyperbolic, how excited do you think we should be about this duo of guys the Ravens are putting out there right now? And then don't fall asleep on, on Devin DuVernay. Sure. With, I mean, that, that, that incredible one-handed catch last week. I mean, look, <laughs> there's no question, you know, when I was talking to Greg Roman, again, uh, reiterating this, that part of Lamar's development is having better weapons around him. There's, there's no question. And, oh, by the way, you know, a pretty great tight end who, can, who turns into the security blanket for so many of these players. I mean, look at, you know, this week we're going to see the number two and number four tight ends in, in the NFL receiving-wise between Mark Andrews and, and Mike Kosicki for, for the Dolphins. So, yeah, absolutely. The weapons around him are just are, are terrific. And, you know, when you've got young players that are coming up and growing together and building their chemistry together, 
I think that's so huge. And Bateman, as you point out, Rashad Bateman, who who had the, the groin surgery in, in August, you know, they want to try to bring him along a little bit slowly uh, if, if they can. But the, the development and the prospects for this receiving core is really I don't want to I don't want to go I don't want to take your hyperbole and say right. the sky's the limit. Right. Yeah, I mean very simply, Glenn, better to have weapons than not. And these arguably could be the best weapons, offensive weapons that um, you know that uh, that Lamar has had. And I think that the 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 test is going to be this week the offensive line mm-hmm. because uh, you know they've they've obviously shuffled around a little bit. Uh, the Dolphins front, if anything, their pressure presents issues. And uh, blocking for Lamar is different than blocking for any other quarterback in the NFL. So, you know, still getting into that rhythm. But, uh, you know, I think that you have to really, really like the all the offensive cohesiveness that we are seeing develop, especially in a year when, the defense isn't at the the championship levels that we've seen of Ravens defenses in the past. Uh, you know, it's it's so funny you bring that up because I I feel like I'm almost blowing right past the Dolphins and that's unfair. This is a it's a Thursday night game it's on okay. the road. It's okay. I, I, you know, is there is there more danger than perhaps we realize, or or you know, or, or is that just we say that because this is the NFL and we feel like we have to say that? Is there more danger for the Ravens traveling on the road on a short week? you know, maybe feeling good about themselves after a comeback win on Sunday. Is there more danger there than we've had, perhaps we would recognize? Well, look, again, all all I'm going to do is is point to the facts. You know, you see the Bills go down to Jacksonville and just, you know, you see so many upsets. You see the Broncos go to Dallas and completely blow them out. Got to remember one thing, and you talk about the short week, and the short week everybody associates with let's get healthy, let's try to keep our bodies as fresh as possible. You know, there's really just walkthroughs. There's really no full-out practice. But remember, when you are facing, anytime you're normally in a, in a normal seven-day week facing the Ravens, you always have to find somebody, the opponent always has to find somebody for their scout team that can even come close to mimicking Lamar Jackson in practice, okay? But once you even get beyond that, it's the speed of the whole offense. You cannot simulate it. And until you get him into a game and you understand what that's like, I mean, remember 2019 opening day, Brian Flores, the Dolphins head coach, first game as a head coach. And, oh, by the way, Ravens drop 59 and Lamar throws five touchdowns. So Brian Flores knows what to expect. But how do you translate that to a team that really isn't going to have any on-field reps to prepare for this, uh, for this, la, this la marvelous juggernaut. Uh, n- and literally, no pun intended, except exactly pun intended. <laughs> I totally get it. I totally get what you're saying, Andrea. You know, if I could, I, I reference, is it, it's the fourth season you guys have been doing the Thursday Night Football broadcast, correct? Yes, sir. So, I'm, I don't, this is a question that I, and I, and I hope you understand what I'm asking. I had somebody, and I was talking uh, about the guests that we were having on today, and I had someone say, oh, that's cool. I never knew there was a, a specific broadcast for women. And I said, whoa, whoa. 
Um, I don't think the broadcast is for women. <laughs> I think the broadcast is led by women. And I and I, I figured let's I want to talk about that with Yay you. Yay for Glenn! Yay for Glenn! Because like <laughs> you're a Hall of Famer, and Hannah Storm has been doing this. Like Hannah Storm knows the game of football better than I know the game of football for sure. Um, how, how much of that, like knowing that you're representing obviously women in this business? but not trying to be patronizing towards anyone because this is a football broadcast, not a women's broadcast. What, what is that like as, as clearly you, you are, you know, you're, you're breaking the mold in what you guys are doing on Thursday nights on Amazon. Right. Right. And I appreciate those, those kind and supportive words. Like, look, um, we're an option. When you go to prime video and you can click on announcer options, language options, you know, you can listen to Joe and Troy who do a terrific job. You can listen to Hannah and me. There's a Scouts feed. Uh, and but Hannah, the Scouts feed is talking about the game. Hannah and I are calling the game. Mm-hmm. You know, I've covered games for obviously a long time. I've sat in production meetings. We have the same production meetings that Fox does. We prepare. You know, I prepare endlessly. I'm constantly on the phone talking, you know, in addition to who we get in our meetings to with the coordinators and and, and, and other people surrounding the game to provide perspective. And we view our broadcast as a journalist's broadcast because those are the sensibilities that we bring. I mean, everybody's got to bring their strength to the game. This just in, I didn't play football. <laughs> it doesn't mean I don't know football. doesn't mean that I can't talk about football or analyze it in my own way. You know, for example, one of the things that I try to do on our broadcast is, you know, listen, football has a language unto itself. And the great Al Michaels, the GOAT, who I had the honor and privilege to work with and, and still call him a friend, he said to me when I started this four years ago, he goes, 90% of the announcers don't really understand all this lingo means. And 99% of the audience doesn't understand it, but I think it sounds cool. Right. So I kind of made a pact that I'm not going to be talking about football lingo. I can't explain it in 10 seconds. Because what good is it? Is it for me talking about zero blitz or jet sweep or ghost motion or a gap penetration or whatever it is if, if the audience doesn't know? And we're in 220 countries around the world, so it is not dumbing it down. It's just making sure that people understand in the flow of the game what is happening. And every game has a storyline that is developing. And you know, I think that Hannah and I are really good at bringing that to life and telling you about the players and the coaches in the game while never losing sight of the game, of the action, of what's developing. But, you know, like I, I, I talk to the coordinators each week, and I, I, uh, full disclosure, it is my opportunity to fully geek out on football. And like anything else, <laughs> you do all these interviews, you get all this material, and as with any game plan for any team, what do you get, 10% in, 20% in? But it's so wonderful, so cool for me to see a lot of the details that they're talking about come come to life as I watch the game and as I analyze it. So I think we have a unique broadcast. Uh, I do not I don't think we're for men or for women. I think we're for people who want an option and who want different voices bringing their informed perspective to coverage of the game. I, I, it's well said, and I love the storytelling aspect of it. It's my favorite thing about a football broadcast, frankly. Well, people I, think storytelling, oh, my gosh, I'm going to talk about Lamar growing up in Pompano Beach. Right. Well, I'll talk about it if it's relevant to the game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But there's, I think that I think that people also, after a while, I, my, my sense, because this is just the feedback I get from people, is after a while, 
you can the 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 and the the strong football analysis it just begins to sort of drone on and just sound so repetitive i want to hear something new and fresh i want to learn something that's always i i love when um after a game and i'll say hey the thing I learned today was, and that's great, because that means I can bring something no doubt. more memorable to the broadcast than just, you know, uh, what they were able to do to pick up the free runner on third and six. At Andrea underscore Kramer on Twitter is how you follow her. And, of course, tomorrow night, Ravens Dolphins on Amazon Prime, she and Hannah Storm. Andrea, is there anything else I can plug for you? <laughs> Well, let's see. You know, uh, obviously, HBO Real, Real Sports, Sports is always sure. a great yep, thing. I'm you know, very proud to be a correspondent for them for 15 years. But sure. So, oh, and I will, I will tell you one thing that I'm, that's going to be really cool. If you've got diehard football fans, um, I, I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about this yet, mm-hmm. but just between you and me, Glenn. Okay, okay. Um, I'm actually, uh, don't worry, don't roll your eyes. I'm actually uh, launching uh, a new podcast next week through iHeart through the NFL Podcast Network that I'm very psyched about because I feel that there's a lot of podcasts out there, obviously, but in the football realm, it's it's opinion, it's analysis. This is totally different. This is called NFL Films, Tales from the Vault. And if you love football and you want to listen and learn about the real characters who made this game, this is a great, fun podcast. Uh, I started my career as a producer, the first female producer, as a matter of fact, at NFL Films, and I learned from my great mentor, the late Steve Cable, and we go literally into the vault of NFL Films and pull out and cull some of Steve's greatest interviews. That, and oh my God, he is—he's so amazing to listen to, and it, it's really just a great—it's a great fun listen where you learn about. Um, we've got Andy Reid, we've got Howie Long, we've got Troy Aikman. I just did one on Deacon Jones. We've got Howie Long. I mean, there's just, uh, I can say how Reggie White. You know, there's so many great interviews that Steve did. So I'm pretty psyched about that. That starts dropping a week from today. That's cool. Very cool. That Um, is very cool. You know, again, just a fun listen. Awesome. Andrea Kramer, always a pleasure to uh, spend a few minutes with you. Thank you so much for doing this with us this morning and enjoy tomorrow. It's wonderful to talk with you. It's really my pleasure. Happy holidays and stay healthy to you and all your listeners. It's Andrea Kramer. Appreciate her spending a couple minutes with us this morning ahead of the Thursday Night Football broadcast tomorrow night on Amazon. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. When we come back in, we are going to chat with John Kinjemi. Let's talk a little bit more about the Dolphins. Are they a threat in any way? Former Baltimore Stallions quarterback John Kinjemi joins us next. He's with the Dolphins broadcast crew now. It's Glenn Clark Radio. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is coming soon to Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Maryland, this is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Need to hone your computer skills to boost your career? Or maybe you want an IT certification. CCBC Continuing Education has the courses and programs you need for a career in the computer field. And it's all tuition free. From the basics to specialized training, we have the classes you need from hardware to programming to cybersecurity and so much more. It's your choice. It's your career. 
Call 443-840-4700 or visit ccbcmd.edu slash computer training. All good things come to an end, which is the case with Window Nation's best offer ever. You can still get two free windows with every two purchased, plus no down payment, no monthly payment, and no interest payments for two years. But hurry, because this stellar deal ends this month. Cold weather is here, natural gas prices are the highest they've been in years, and wasting energy with old, inefficient windows will cost you a fortune. Get two free windows with every two you buy, plus pay nothing for two full years. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. I love you more than selfie poses. I love you more than spraying hoses. I love you more than bird calls. But not as much as football. Celebrate your love of football with Raven scratch-offs from the Maryland Lottery. Win up to $100,000 instantly or second chance cash in Raven's prizes. I love you more than snowballs. But not as much as football. Play Raven Scratch-Offs at any Maryland Lottery retailer. Please play responsibly. The offseason is upon us, but baseball never sleeps. Hi, I'm Zach Goodman, and you can find me on the Batteron with host Paul Valley every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon. We've got the best local coverage on every trade and signing, plus every update on the new CBA negotiations. You can watch us live at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports or listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. That's the Batteron every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon for the best in offseason baseball coverage. Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. Hey, the Tyus Bowser Show returns next Tuesday night. We'll be at Mother's in Timonium for a very special edition of the Tyus Bowser Show. It's brought to you by Pressbox, Great Eights Memorabilia, Window Depot Baltimore, as well as Duffy's Garage in Baldwin, windowdepotbaltimore.com, duffysgaragemd.com. Appreciate them joining us. Um, it's a special show because we're asking you to consider making donations, bring out gift cards to Wise Markets and Giant uh, to help those who need it. We're partnering up with Harvest to Hope to take care of folks, get them their turkeys, their trimmings that uh, can't afford it this Thanksgiving season. And I'm told that Tyus is bringing out quite the special guest. So please join us Tuesday night at uh, Mother's Intimonium with Tyus Bowser and uh, bring your gift cards, make your donations for Harvest of Hope this holiday season, and we thank you. Ravens-Dolphins tomorrow night, Thursday night football. Joining us now to tell us a little bit more about the Dolphins. He's part of their broadcast crew, MiamiDolphins.com. And once upon a time, spent a little time in Baltimore with the Stallions. He's former Baltimore Stallions quarterback, John Congemi, and he's with us now here on GCR. John, it's Glenn and Paul back in Baltimore. It's always great to chat with you. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Looking forward to it, guys, and uh, looking forward to tomorrow night. Should Hopefully it'll be an interesting game uh, because the Dolphins haven't had many uh, yeah. this year. So uh, hopefully it'll come down to the wire. So let's just talk about it, John, right? Like this was a, a team that had a lot of young talent and a lot of pieces, and I think a lot of people going into the season said, you know, this might be a team that's ready to take that next step, right? They, they were close a year ago. 
They got Tua back healthy for a while. Like it, it, it seemed like a team that was on the cusp of making that next step, and instead, it has been you know brutal, obviously, and and rumors about Deshaun Watson and what what went wrong? Why didn't this team take the next step this season? Well, I think a lot of things factor into it when you take a look at the record now at two and seven. Uh, it started off really well with a road victory against New England and probably a game that might not have been a victory had it not been for Xavier Howard punching the football out inside of the 15-yard line. Um, the Dolphins' offense has been stagnant, and it's been stagnant and it starts up front. And that's been a problem for the Dolphins for many years now, trying to get some cohesiveness and synergy with that offensive line. They have mixed and matched They've had a rookie at right tackle. They've had a rookie at left tackle. They've tried to bring their second-year left tackle, Austin Jackson, who is a first-round draft choice, in now to left guard. They've had three centers play the position this year. Um, So I I think that's where it starts. I think everybody wants to talk about Tua Tungavailoa and the quarterback position, and naturally so. Everybody shares some responsibility. But I think if you look at the – the way the Dolphins' offense has not been able to generate yards on the ground, generate right. points, provide protection, I think it starts up front. Okay, the, the offensive line, and, and we've seen that. They have been quite susceptible. The Ravens have not been overwhelming in that department, but that's one thing that maybe jumps out going into this matchup is it looks like the Dolphins are a team that you can take advantage of with your pass rush. It, it does, and, and they've allowed it, – it's not so much the sacks, guys. It's the pressures, and pressure okay. actually you know, hurts timing and hurts routes continuity and, and getting the ball out when you need to. And the lack of running game adds to that because there's no threat of play action. So if I'm pinning my ears back as a defensive front seven rusher, I don't have to really worry about the run because the Dolphins haven't been able to do anything on the ground. They're last in the league, averaging around – 75 yards per game and that that really bolsters your your pass rush you know you don't have to bring that many to add some confusion in that backfield and it makes your quarterback uh less effective with timing less effective with accuracy and ball placement and it it leads to turnovers so let's to to speak to the quarterback right I mentioned the rumors related to Sean Watson and Dolphins say they're committed to Tua and you know, how all of this has affected him and now being banged up the last couple of weeks. Long-term, beyond tomorrow night's game, because we don't even know if he's playing, what is – can this be salvaged with Tua in Miami? Or is all of this, you know, a, a bit much for a young quarterback to go through in his first couple of seasons? I think it would be, it would be difficult right now if Deshaun Watson – if you made the trade, okay, with all the rumors circulating for the last – four months, you brought Deshaun Watson into a Miami Dolphins uniform and asked him to go, hey, go out and win one for us, kid, right? Right. Um, I, I don't know. You might get five wins, just like Deshaun Watson did with the Houston mm-hmm. Texans on a, on a bad team. So I think you're going to get the same result quarterback-wise, um, no matter what young slash veteran guy that's not elite um, – is going to get out of the production that you're seeing now from Tua. And let me be quite frank with you guys. Tua has not been the problem for the Miami Dolphins' okay. lack of points or moving the football effectively on a, on a uh, you know, let's say nine-game basis. He only played probably 
four or five of those games. I don't think he's been the problem. I would say that against the Jaguars and maybe one other game, he probably played uh, over uh, and above what, what they asked him to do and still didn't come away with a victory. Hmm. Hmm. I, I, so you think that he is still handling all this, like the, the, the mental side of it, he's still okay and he's still developing the right way. And if they can get some other things fa- figured out, he'll be okay long term. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, let, let's, let me tell you that my gut says no matter how tough you are mentally, this has to affect you in some way. Right. You're getting the rumors, you're getting the, the reporters' questions every day, you're getting it from all sides. Your family is probably, hey, what's going on down there, Tua, you know? So I think that he's handled it as a pro and he's handled it first class and he, because that's the type of individual he is. Um, but it ultimately has to affect some aspect of your preparation, some aspect of your uh, performance when you're kind of looking at it on Monday going, you know, I should have made that throw or I should have done this. Uh, it has to affect you in some way, but I think he's done a really good job of uh, putting it in boxes and leaving it you know, on the sidelines when he has to go play, but he has to deal with it every, you know, media bail once or twice a week. He is John Kinjemi, Miami Dolphins broadcaster. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. John, with that in mind, obviously we're not expecting it to be Tua tomorrow. I guess maybe we should start with that. Should we be expecting it to be Tua at this point? We saw that uh, Jacoby Brissett did media availability. Is is that a the sign that everybody's making it out to be that it's more likely to be Jacoby tomorrow night? probably that would be my gut uh 60 40 and maybe it's a game time decision because he's going to be dressed whether he starts or is in a backup role he was last week uh you know against houston he was ready to come in maybe didn't couldn't make all the throws during the week uh maybe it's grip pressure with that finger injury i'm, I'm not quite sure uh that's just me guessing um but um i would think it's probably leaning towards jacoby only because of the short week guys so it's one of those things where how many reps are you going to get during the week uh, to be able to prove that you can throw the you know a long uh, a go route or you can throw sure. a corner route or you can squeeze one in between linebackers when you need to. What have you seen so far from Jacoby? I mean, like this is a guy that when he's played, he's he's been a pretty respectable quarterback in this league. Jacoby's done a nice job actually, and the Dolphins haven't had a whole lot of explosive plays down the field. But I will give Jacoby Brissett credit. When he eludes pressure, extends plays, he's looking to push the football down the field. And that's something the Miami Dolphins offense has been lacking, that explosive play. You know, I think that uh, Waddle has done an excellent job, and Jalen Waddle has done an excellent job as a rookie, uh, getting all the underneath stuff, yards after catch, doing things like that. And Jacoby's been a big part of getting him the football as well as Tua. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think – the offense kind of runs a little bit better when Jacoby actually has to break contain because of there's not a whole lot of time in the pocket to generate plays down the field. He's escaped, used his legs, kept his eyes downfield, and made plays uh, accordingly. Were you surprised by the report from Ian Rappaport this weekend that the Dolphins were engaged with the Ravens in, in Xavier Howard talks last week? A little bit, but not overly surprised. Uh, you, you thought something was going to happen either at quarterback or at cornerback because that's where the Dolphins have spent a ton of money. And when you're looking around the league, 
and you're trying to cherry pick uh, some players off of teams that probably aren't going to be in the playoffs come January, why not go out and get one of the most elite corners you can? And the Dolphins, it's kind of like a win-win. They, they were all offseason worried about how we're going to pay Xavier Howard, how we're going to make him happy. He was going to hold out, and he did. He was at practice, but he really didn't practice. Um, so why not uh, make it a win-win for your team? You, you get rid of that salary. You probably can get another guy that is going to be able to play man coverage because that's what the Dolphins are asking you to do on a team that's not going to go anywhere this year. And, and the team that's getting them is getting exactly what they're paying for. They're paying, uh, you know, f- for a lockdown corner. Yeah. So it, it, it's for the immediate future of the Miami Dolphins. It probably felt like a win-win had they been able to uh, get rid of one of their corners. Yeah. And, and it, it would have been nice for the Ravens without Marcus Peters. And unfortunately that, that number is so large that you have to give up a ton. I get, I get the Miami Dolphins aren't just giving away Xavier Howard for the sake of giving right. him away. I mean, uh, yeah. selfishly, you know, you're not going to want to part with one of your best pieces of your team. Right. But when you're looking at reality and where this is going to go, um, how can you make the, how can you make a business decision that's best for your team? maybe for the short run and and maybe the long run because that contract is is so heavily weighted. No, uh, no question about it. No question about it. All right, John, uh, and John Kanjemi's with us just another minute or two here talking about Ravens Dolphins tomorrow night. John, as far as if there's a path, right? Like if there is a way for the Dolphins to beat the Baltimore Ravens tomorrow night and to be more of a threat than as I'm sure you're not surprised anyone in Baltimore thinks they're going to be. Um, what what would that look like? What occurs that gives the Dolphins a chance against the Ravens tomorrow night? That they can stay on the field on third down. Uh, Miami has – and get off the field on third down. Uh, I would say those are the types of things I would be looking for. You know, it's funny the way the, the Ravens can, you know, all of a sudden fall asleep and then all of a sudden wake up and – they score 27, right? They're, they're averaging around 27, 28 points a week, and it's due to, you know, Lamar being so good at, at keeping stuff alive. And I think that's where the Miami Dolphin defense has to rise up on Thursday night. They have to be able to get the Ravens off the field on third down and give the offense field position. This is a team that hasn't been built to go 85, 90, 95 yards if they're pinned back in their own end. They have to be able to get off the field defensively, maybe win the turnover margin in doing so, but at least cut the field down so this offense uh, that has had trouble running the football and has trouble scoring points can go 50, 60, 65 yards for 7 to 10 points when, when, when the Ravens are maybe three and out, uh, first down, three and out, turn it back over one way or another. I think that's the scenario for the Dolphins. Uh, to start fast and take advantage of those opportunities if and when they occur. Of course, we've seen even when their backs have been up against the wall this year, the Ravens have been able to make big rallies, and it's just how good right. Lamar, Lamar Jackson is, man. He's he's unbelievable. He's tre- tremendous. Right? We are uh, we're fortunate to have him in this town. We are extraordinarily fortunate. Uh, John Kinjemi, you know, I always like to, tr- to, to have you share an old story about the, the amount of time you spent in Baltimore, and I guess I was thinking about it. I always introduce you as a former Baltimore Stallions quarterback, but were you even technically the Stallions yet when you arrived? Or were you, if I remember correctly, were you caught up in the, they wanted to be called the Colts and, and had to go as like the CFLers for a little while because they couldn't get the rights to the name? 
Yeah, I had all three. I had the hat trick. Yeah, uh, right. a- absolutely. Um, I think we were the Colts originally, yep. and then it was the CFL, uh, the Baltimore CFLers. Or I, I'm not quite sure. Uh, I remember buying my uh, my children T-shirts that have Baltimore Colts on them. Love so that. So they still have those. Oh, that's uh, well. Now wait a second. Those there might be people in Baltimore that are willing to pay a pretty penny for some of those. Well, I I, I tell you, I, I I'd have to go back and look through, but at least uh, multiple T-shirts when they were you know one and two. Right. So it would have to be uh, infant size. <laughs> I think I have them somewhere. Oh, that is all. I would love if you if you just happen to come across them. And you'd be willing to share a picture uh, with my producer, Paul, who texted you. We would love sure. to share those out on social media, John. Can Jimmy? That if I can find them, I'll send them up. I Absolutely. love, I love that. That is awesome. All right, Ravens, Dolphins tomorrow night. John Kinjemi, of course, who uh, spent a little bit of time here in Baltimore. At John Kinjemi on Twitter is how you follow him. John, appreciate you taking the time for us as always, man. Uh, enjoy it tomorrow night. Let's talk again real soon. All right. It's... That sounds great. Enjoy the rest of the season. John Kinjami checking in with us here on GCR. Appreciate him doing that. Uh, was part of the first season of uh, CFL football in Baltimore, which, as you guys know from listening over the years, was one of my favorite things, the experiments that ever happened. I was absolutely obsessed. We actually had season tickets. Dude, it the, was. <clears throat> and they were the Baltimore CFL. Well, so they were the they were the they were trying to be the CFL Colts. Mm-hmm. Um and and I think he's right that like for the preseason they actually played as the CFL they Colts. They did. And then as you'll remember, when they were given the season desist, they did the bit, and I can't even remember if it was Bruce or whoever was doing PA for the games at the time, because Bruce might have been doing play by play. I don't remember who was doing PA, but the bit was they would just stop at CFL mm-hmm. and everybody would shout out Colts because they weren't allowed to be called. But I think technically the name was CFLers, like literally CFL apostrophe E-R-S. I just remember Scott Garceau doing a commercial, and he was dancing, and he was calling them the Baltimore CFL. I remember seeing that it, on, on it TV was, it as was, a kid. I mean, like, it's funny because now we make fun of the Washington football team, but technically we experienced this because mm-hmm. they didn't have a name for a we little while. Uh, and then ultimately they settled on Stallions, which I loved. I mean, I was all in on Stallions. I thought it was a, a great name. I thought it, it played well with what they were trying to accomplish, and – as everyone knows, um, you know it was a part of of those couple of years. That was that was fun. It was different. It was unique. It was special. It's something you'll never be able to explain to a younger person. And they were good. They were really good. They were really good. And the games were an event. Like this was not a minor league. This the games were a real event. There were more people going to. The, I'm not trying to say this as a knock, but there were more people going to those games. Than the overwhelming majority of baseball games in town right now. Like, it's, and I'm not trying to. I get it. When the Orioles are good again, there'll be plenty of people that will be going to Orioles games. I mean, not. I'm not trying to make it a competitive thing or a knock. They were events, man. Like, it was awesome as a kid. Um, but uh, you know, the, the, we're grateful that the NFL arrived. I want to make that very clear. And it's been all that much better that the, the Baltimore Ravens have been so good. All right, hour number one, winding down for a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of the program. By the way, the scenarios are up at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter and Facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio, and I've gotten a ton of responses already. I only got two up. Um, it, it's my fault. I, we did some stuff before the show today. I recorded the interview with Andrea Kramer, and I legitimately just plum forgot I needed to come up with a third Would You Rather Wednesday scenario. I had two that I had sent myself and said, I'll come up with a third in the morning, and then just utterly forgot. It's what it is. I, re- I remembered at literally 9.56, and all the scenarios that came up with were stupid. What, 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 uh, what you got there? What you got there? Yeah, I, we're going to grab a break first. Yeah, okay. We're going to grab a break. 
Um, so get your responses in for Would You Rather Wednesday, and we will get to that as the morning goes on. Uh, if I remember correctly, tonight Stan the Fan is going to do a special show to uh, remember Tom Maddy. I don't know all the details of that, but if you missed he and Ross Grimsley talking baseball with Mike Bordick earlier in the week, Stan's shows are always at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or pressboxonline.com slash video. Patrick Stevens joins us next to talk about the first night of college hoops season. It's Glenn Clark Radio. What's up, everybody? This is Tyus Bowser. I can't wait to see you guys for the Tyus Bowser Show this fall. We're going to be taking the show on the road all over the area. You can meet me and my very special guests. If you can't make it out, you can watch the show on live on Pressbox Facebook page or listen the next day. Find out more about where we'll be by checking out PressBoxOnline.com slash Bowser. We'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show. Pressbox and Great Eights Memorabilia bring you the next Tyus Bowser Show Tuesday, November 16th at Mother's in Timonium. It's also brought to you by Window Depot Baltimore, windowdepotbaltimore.com, and by Duffy's Garage in Baldwin, duffysgaragemd.com. I love you more than rock and roll. I love you more than a swimming hole. I love you more than pinball, but not as much as football. Celebrate your love of football with Raven Scratch-Offs from the Maryland Lottery. Win up to $100,000 instantly or second-chance cash and Ravens prizes. I love you more than gumball. Play Raven Scratch-Offs at any Maryland Lottery retailer. Please play responsibly. Every seat is the best seat at M&T Bank Stadium. Don't miss a moment of Ravens football this season. Single game tickets are now available at BaltimoreRavens.com slash tickets. All good things come to an end, which is the case with Window Nation's best offer ever. You can still get two free windows with every two purchased, plus no down payment, no monthly payment, and no interest payments for two years. But hurry, because this stellar deal ends this month. Cold weather is here, natural gas prices are the highest they've been in years, and wasting energy with old, inefficient windows will cost you a fortune. Get two free windows with every two you buy, plus pay nothing for two full years. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you. I love driving my tractor trailer. And just like you, I just want to make it to my destination safely. If you drive too closely to my truck, I can't see you and you can't see what's in front of me. If I have to brake suddenly, our lives can be changed forever. If a truck stops quickly, can you don't tailgate trucks. Brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation State Highway Administration. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Mike Ashley dives in on 20 seasons for Brenda Freeze as the head coach of the Maryland women's basketball team as she looks back but also looks forward. Plus, we introduce you to men's and women's college basketball players from every D1 program in the area. And the very first Baltimore interview with Elijah Green, the son of former Raven Eric Green, who could well be the Orioles pick with the number one spot in next year's MLB draft. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. You've got questions. They've got answers. Sure, I mean, we'll go with that. It's Glenn and Paul on Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue on a Wednesday edition of the program. It's brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4 available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. 
Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. He was here with us uh, just uh, two weeks back for the college basketball preview show, and now he'll be back with us every week this season. It'll typically be on Tuesdays, but this week we want to let the uh, the first group of games get in, including uh, what was a remarkable win for Navy down in Charlottesville last night. He is our buddy Patrick Stevens at Discourse in the Washington Post, and he is with us here on GCR. What's going on, sir? How are you? A little tired after that first night. Imagine. What's going on? I imagine. Um, it was a long, long day. And, uh, you know, like you say, I think Navy kind of the topper locally. Uh, but there were a lot of interesting results throughout the country uh, in maybe some lower-profile games, and that, that certainly is one that stands out as much as any. Yeah, let's start there. Um, uh, quite the statement for a team, you know, how are they going to replace what they've lost, um, or, you know, after everything they went through last spring. Um, what do you make of Navy going down and beating Virginia? Is it a sign that, like, they're ready to be a power in the Patriot League, or do we say, hey, it's it's night one of college basketball season, you know, sometimes maybe there are some results that occur that, that aren't truly indicative of exactly where teams are going to be? Well, I think it's somewhere in the middle of that. I think the, the really encouraging thing for Navy beyond everything else is we talked about John Carter Jr. with Ed DeCellis a couple weeks ago. He's a guy that – you know, he's been a really solid player for them. I remember when I saw him in the Veterans Classic his freshman year, I'm like, this is a guy that's going to be really spectacular for them, for them. And he's had a good career. He probably hasn't had a spectacular career. But to go 5 of 8 from three-point range, score 19 points, play 35 minutes down there against Virginia, that, that, that stands out. And obviously, too, the defense that Navy played, especially mm-hmm. down the stretch. Mm-hmm. I think Virginia had a had a stretch of about, what seven and a half minutes without a point? Uh, that that the defense will travel, and I think that's a good sign for Ed DeCellis' bunch. I do think Virginia is very much a, a team figuring itself out at this point. The 14 turnovers they committed is definitely uncharacteristic of the Cavaliers. Uh, but if you're Navy, you know this is this is your first victory over a ranked team since 1986. You picked off Georgetown last year. You know the, you, you've got some good things going on with your program. So no it's question. hard to sit there and try to say anything's fluky or anything. Then, that's, a, that's a good win for Navy. And now you get Virginia Tech and Louisville. <laughs> that's your reward. But by the way, I mean, you got to feel pretty good. Like, you got to feel like you can be competitive with uh, those types of teams. You mentioned Virginia Tech Friday night in Annapolis. The one thing that really jumped out to me, Patrick, is like I, I, I had a game I had to do last night, and I got home, and I flipped on that game, and, and Virginia had sort of crawled back in it after Navy had opened a, b- a big lead. And I said to myself, all right, well – you know, th- th- this this was fun for a little while, but this is reality setting. And I think that's a huge statement to me is that, like, the way the game played, that Virginia made their run, got back into it, was drawing fouls, earning calls, and Navy withstood all of that, I think, is a testament to what they've got going on. It, ag- agreed on, on that point. You know, it's funny that you, you couldn't help but to have the thought of, you know, good job, Virginia, way to play these uh, way to play these schools from Maryland from one dead league. <laughs> right. That really worked out for you. Right. But, you know, the one commonality between those two games, I'm obviously referencing the, the 2018 NCAA tournament game against UMBC. I think UMBC was about 50% from three-point range in that game. Navy was 11 to 21. If you don't have the, so- the speed and the size to be able to drive in against Virginia – the way you have to beat them is by hitting freeze, and that's exactly what Navy did. Uh, you know, they got you know, half of their points were, were on three-pointers. So, uh, you know, I, I think that, that that stands out a great deal, that they just sort of stuck with it. And, again, you've got, you've got guys like Carter, like, like Greg Summers, 
uh, like Yoder, who who hit three three pointers and shot six or seven from the floor. I mean, these guys have been around. I mean, they've, they've got some older dudes playing for that. Team. Yep. So you know, and you look at Virginia, and you know they start two two transfers and and two guys that weren't necessarily huge pieces of what they did last year. So you've you've only got one guy for Virginia that really you would have thought of as as a starter or playing starters minutes a season ago. So. You know, at this time of the season, that is an advantage, uh, and I think it's even more of an advantage now than it was last year, just because you know you've had all these guys together and they had a chance to play. Um, you know, during a during a preseason. Although I guess for Navy, because these guys are scattered out, it's maybe not as much of an advantage. But still, the mids uh, the mids are older, and, and I, I would not be shocked if if they find themselves right in that Patriot League mix again this year. As far as Maryland is concerned, um, you know, they did what they were supposed to do. And I, I think the thing that the early story that's jumping out at me between an exhibition game and last night is and it's and it's certainly more interesting for us in Baltimore is kind of the emergence of Juju Reese as a freshman who it looks like is going to be a significant part of the equation moving forward. Yeah, I think there's very little question that he's the top big off the bench. I mean, for now, it looks like he and uh, Kadus Wahab will be splitting time at the five for the most part. That could always change once you get deeper into the season. But uh, for right now, uh, Reese certainly looks like a guy that they're going to look to play 15 to 20 minutes a game. He played 19 minutes last night. Uh, my guess is is that there will probably be some games where you know he comes out and plays really well, and there's probably going to be a few games where he's picks up two fouls in the first minute and a half that he's in there, and, and that pretty much spells an end to him for a half. You know, one of the things I thought was interesting hearing from Mark Turgeon last night was he thought, you know, when, when Reese first gets into a game, he'll go out there and he's really, really good. And when he's out there for a third minute and the fourth minute, he probably gets a little tired and starts looking like a freshman. That's actually probably a good sign for Maryland because if you have that predictability, mm. that you know that you're just going to be able to get three-minute bursts from the guy, mm-hmm. and you can do that four or five times a game, great. Then, then, then take those take those 15 or so quality minutes and bank them uh, and then hope the guy, you know, gets better and, and, and is able to have a little more stamina out on the floor. But, you know, for right now, based on, like you say, both the exhibition game and last night, uh, he, he is he is pretty clearly going to be a, an important piece for what Maryland's going to do. Maryland's got a few more games. We're chatting with Patrick Stevens here on Glenn Clark Radio. they got a few more games before we talk again. In, in looking at this stretch of games, let's say before they go to the Bahamas, which are the games where we're going to really maybe learn the most about this team as, as far as the competition is concerned? Well, you know, I think that finding themselves in this stretch where they're playing three games in five days out of the shoot and they'll play Vermont in that last game of the three on Saturday, you know, that's a, that's a winning program. I mean, they just, they have, they've done so much uh, over the last really decade plus in the American East, I mean, you can really take it back all the way back to the Tom Brennan years, and we're going almost 20 years back at that point. But just a consistent winner on, on, under John Becker, and, and maybe they're not quite as good as they were a few years back when they had Anthony Lamb, but that's still a strong program. And so you get Vermont, and you're playing your third game in five days, Saturday afternoon. You know, maybe people aren't quite as excited about spending a Saturday yeah. afternoon in mid-November and you don't have a great crowd, that, that's going to be a little bit of a gut check, I think, for them. You're going to see an excited George Mason team come in next week, uh, next Wednesday. Uh, you know, they impressed with a victory over Stony Brook, beat them by 22 
uh, in their first game under Tim English last night. And Hofstra gave a good run at, uh, at Houston, took them to overtime, although frankly we should be describing it as Houston taking Hofstra to overtime because they led for most hmm. of the regulation. Hmm. So that's, a, that's an interesting week or so of games. I, I do think that you look at Thursday, a quick turnaround for GW as well, and then they barely held off St. Francis of PA last night at home. Uh, it is the Ricky Lindo game, re- return game uh, for, for uh, the former Terps. But I, I think it's those other games, and Vermont in particular, just given the timing of everything, it stands out as one where we'll learn a little bit more about the Terps. Patrick, the other result that kind of jumped out at me, and, and you can tell me, hey, don't read too much into this because you just don't know, but I, like seeing Towson go on the road and beat Albany by 20 points, that, that seems like a, a pretty quality way for a program that went through hell a year ago to start the season. Yeah, I think for Tals- for Towson's purposes, them going and beating anybody by 20 points yeah. is something that you're going to feel good about. And you kind of look at, at how things were divvied up there. You know, They had eight guys playing double-figure minutes. They got four players in double figures, led by Terry Nolan Jr., and not really stunned by you know the sort of look that they had with that rotation. I, I may, may have probably thought that we would see a little more of Jawan Gray. He played 10 minutes last night. Uh, but 15 points from Cam Holden, the UT Martin transfer. You know, they shot 30 of 64 from the floor, so that's a, a good day by Towson standards for sure. Uh, but they also, you know, 16 offensive rebounds. So they miss, you know, you look at that, and they miss only 34 shots all night, and they get 19 of them on the offensive glass. It's a, it, it came against an Albany team that is rebuilding a bit. Uh, you know, they actually have a – I forgot about this, just kind of looking at it now. They have a former Loyola forward, Chuck Champions, playing up there. Oh, I didn't know that, actually. He, he, got, okay. in, he got in All 12 right. minutes last night. But, you know, it's a first-year coach um, in, in Dwayne Killings, a former Marquette assistant, and, and they haven't been great the last couple of seasons. So it, it isn't necessarily the, quite the same Albany brand that we can remember from four or five years back. That said – if you're Towson, you just kind of want to get into a rhythm and, and get a few good results yeah. under your belt, and, and that certainly counts as one of them. And 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 neither Loyola nor UMBC seem to embarrass themselves on the road last night against some pretty good competition. Not in the slightest. I mean, Loyola was only down 59-49 with about, I don't know, it was probably about 10 minutes to go or so yeah. in that game. Yeah. And so if you're talking about being down 10, and I'm looking it up now, um, but I feel like it was it was something along those lines where it was about a ten point game. Yeah, they were down fifty one forty one with you know fourteen to go or so, and then Carolina kind of busted it open a bit. Which you know, candidly, that's probably what Carolina should do uh, in that situation. But you kind of look at uh, at what they did get. You know, Dylan Andrews played seventeen, played thirty three minutes and got seventeen points. Cam Spencer played thirty three turnover yep. free minutes down there. Yep. That's that's pretty good. So you know, and you look, and Kenneth Jones had a solid day. Maybe not a great day, but a solid day down there. And so you got your three guards playing pretty well in that environment. Uh, and I think we all know that that's the group that needs to be a little bit further ahead right now because there's the big question, the still the big question of how are they going to adjust to life without Santi Aldama. So you know, I think for now, uh, that's a perfectly solid result. Now they head down. Uh, to Charleston to play three games in three days over the weekend. So if they can if they can pick off one or two games down there, not an easy task given the opposition that they're going to be dealing with. 
but that would be a pretty good start for them that first week of the season. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. All right, on the national. And you, and you mentioned and you mentioned UMBC yeah. the other one. Yeah, right? against UMass, right? Yeah, and that was what a seventeen point game. I mean, UMass should be a pretty you know middle middle of the pack A ten team. And like we talked about with Jim Ferry a couple weeks ago, this is a UMBC team that doesn't really have a whole lot of answers in the post right now. And, and Dmitry Savievich actually played pretty well, 10 points and 9 rebounds in 19 minutes. Uh, you know, I think one thing that does stand out that, that UMBC is going to hope is a blip more than anything else, 5 of 28 from three-point range. But, you know, that, that was, you know, when you look at how that game unfolded, they were up four at halftime. UMass just happened to play a really good second half, and, UMBC probably ran out of gas a little bit, and so you know I think ultimately that's not a terrible result for them by any stretch of the imagination. I'm sure that there are things though that they would like to do a lot better uh, if they were you know the next time out. All right, uh, Patrick. On the national front, obviously the big story is is Duke getting a win over Kentucky. Is this a statement that Duke is going to be a a threat again after missing the NCAA tournament a year ago? Well, I mean they were. I think it was pretty clear with what they've assembled in the offseason sure. that they're going to be better. But I, I also don't happen to think it's a major statement one way or the other for pretty much anybody. I, mean, I don't know if there's too many teams that you're going to walk away from feeling like you know they emphatically last night said that they're going to be better than everybody thought they were going to be. There are certainly some teams that you walk away from thinking, gosh, these guys are in trouble. Uh, moving moving forward this season, you think about the power conference teams that, that had some surprising losses. Pitt did I say that? Ne- wait, did I say that Nebraska lost to Western Illinois? Nebraska lost to Western Illinois by a point. Um, and I think that maybe the maybe the most eye opening result was was not an upset, but almost an upset. Yeah, Ohio State barely right. getting by Akron. Uh, and there were a handful of teams out west that had all sorts of problems. Cal lost to UC San Diego, for example. Uh, as as uh, as one of those teams that it had that had more on its plate than it probably bargained for. So Washington lost to Northern Illinois too. But uh, I don't know if I'm taking too many things away from Duke's Duke's game. I will say Trevor Keels played really really well for yeah. them, and that if he if he's going to be anything close to that on a regular basis, that's a that's a big bonus. Not a bonus so much because I think they expected him to be good. But if he's going to be like that, then, then that's maybe a level above what, the, what we could have realistically expected. All right, it's time for our game. Ken Patrick Stevens, name all of the MLB teams that this player has played for. It's been a few months, so we bring it back today. Patrick, again, I still have a handful of five-team guys, and then i got a bunch of four-team guys that we got to get to. Uh, so today your five-team player is actually a six-team player. Okay. And uh, someone who pretty decent career. He was a two-time All-Star, a World Series champion, a three-time Gold Glove Award, once won the batting title in National League. He's first baseman Derek Lee. Six Derek teams Lee. for Derek Lee, who was a far more accomplished player than I think I gave him credit for. Yeah. Um, Derek Lee was a Florida Marlin. At Most the start, certainly was. And he was definitely a Chicago Cub. Obviously. I know he had his stint in Baltimore. He most certainly did. That one That one did not go so well. No, it, it did not. Yeah. Um, and so now we kind of start running out of ideas as to where Derek Lee was. So, so and that's, that's, and that's what I thought things would go. Uh, I, was, I think these are – you know what? I'm not going to say anything. I'm not just not going to say anything. Well, I mean, am I vaguely remembering him with Boston? Not with Boston, no. Okay. 
and this feels like the sort of guy that I need to mention the Dodgers. I and and that's a I understand why you would do that. It's not the Dodgers. It's not the Dodgers. And and admittedly, these are all very short stints. I want to make that very clear. These are all okay. very short stints. Um, maybe the Mets. Not the Mets. No, I the the reason I thought you were going to do well with this is because one of them is Atlanta. Okay, and, and another, I thought about that. Another is Pittsburgh for 28 games. I thought okay. I thought you might remember those. Uh, the other one, San Diego, which I don't remember even remotely, and <laughs> apparently was actually where he started his career. I had no idea. I oh, like that's you. Right. He did, didn't he? I thought he started in Florida. He apparently played 22 games with the Padres. Was that at the, the start uh, Kevin Brown deal? Uh, oh, was that what it was? Was it really the Kevin I, Brown trade? I think it might, that might be right. That might be right. So I'll mix it up, and just because I'll give you a slam dunk, all right, and then and okay. then we'll try again next week. Go ahead and tell me because I know I know this one you will not struggle with at all. Tell me the four teams for Hall of Famer Greg Maddox. Greg Maddox would be Chicago Cubs, Atlanta, San Diego, and the L.A. Dodgers. That's correct, of course. Those are the four teams, although who remembers Greg Maddox as an L.A. Dodger? I most certainly do not. It is, It has been blocked out of my memory altogether. That's the reality. Yes? For the record, that was a Derek Lee trade with Kevin with Brown. Kevin Brown. With the there Dodgers. you go. There you go. That is accurate. That's how I ended up there. All right, sir, what's on your plate for this week? We'll be uh, catching Maryland and GW on Thursday. Uh, Veterans Classic, uh, Ryan Odom back in town yep. of Utah State playing Richmond, and then Navy against Virginia Tech in a game that I think is suddenly going to have a few more eyeballs on no it doubt. on Friday. Uh, double dip in two places on Saturday, Maryland and Vermont, and then Michigan and Prairie View in the Coaches versus Racism game. Oh, down it's in D.C., yep. Um, going to catch Morgan State out at George Mason. Morgan won its opener against, I think it was St. Mary's College of Maryland last night by a, by a comfortable margin. Yep. Uh, so that's a 6 o'clock game on Sunday. And I'm going to try to catch UMBC uh, against a non-D1 on Monday night. I think that's their next game, next time out. So wanted to get an early look at the Retrievers while I could. Busy week at Discourse. D1S Course on Twitter is how you follow him. The brackets, he's got his first brackets up at WashingtonPost.com. We all know it's probably not the time that that mattered, but we get it. It's, it's, that's the world get, we live get, in. I, I, get, I get one shot at it right. in, the, in, the pre, in the preseason. No doubt. We'll go ahead, and, and people can wave it in my face some other yep. time. We'll, we'll, but you're not going to see another bracket from me until January. Very good. That, that sounds about right. All right, sir. Appreciate you as always. Let's talk again next Tuesday, all right? Awesome. Take care, Glenn. Patrick Stevens at Discourse on Twitter, D1S Course. Of course, how you follow him. Today's show also brought to you by Window Nation. Final chance for you to take advantage of their best offer ever. Two free windows for every two you buy. Make no down payment, no interest payment, no nothing payment for two full years. This is it. Last chance. At the end of this month, it's gone forever. 866-90Nation or windownation.com. Um, can we take a break before Drew? Are we okay? All right, we'll grab a break, and then Drew Forrester will join us next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Every seat is the best seat at M&T Bank Stadium. Don't miss a moment of Ravens football this season. Single game tickets are now available at BaltimoreRavens.com slash tickets. 
The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Mike Ashley dives in on 20 seasons for Brenda Freeze as the head coach of the Maryland women's basketball team as she looks back but also looks forward. Plus, we introduce you to men's and women's college basketball players from every D1 program in the area. And the very first Baltimore interview with Elijah Green, the son of former Raven Eric Green, who could well be the Orioles' pick with the number one spot in next year's MLB draft. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. You there? What's up, everybody? This is Taz Bowser. You hear me now? I can't wait to see you guys for the Taz Bowser show this fall. We're going to be taking the show on the road all over the area. You can meet me and my very special guests. If you can't make it out, you can watch the show on live on Pressbox Facebook page or listen the next day. Find out more about where we'll be by checking out pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. We'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show. Pressbox and Great Eights memorabilia bring you the next Tyus Bowser Show Tuesday, November 16th at Mother's in Timonium. It's also brought to you by Window Depot Baltimore, windowdepotbaltimore.com, and by Duffy's Garage in Baldwin, duffysgaragemd.com. That first sip. <sighs> that first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is coming soon to Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Maryland, this is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Hey, it's KZ. The Pressbox Fantasy Football Show is back, as always, on Thursdays. You can catch it at 1130. We're brought to you this year, CCBC and Glory Days Grill. You can catch the show two ways, Facebook.com slash Sports or PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. The slash radio is if you want to listen. On Facebook is if you actually want to see my ugly face. We're going to have a lot of fun this year. DFS, daily lineups, keepers, all kinds of fun stuff. Please tune in, Pressbox Fantasy Football Show every Thursday, 11.30 a.m. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcasts. It's Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR. Don't forget Project Game Day is back tomorrow night. It's going to be a late-night show. I'll be with you at halftime. And then the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard, joins me post-game for Project Game Day. Facebook.com slash Sports for both shows. PressBoxOnline.com slash radio for the post-game show. It's all brought to you by Window Nation, Glory Days Grill, and Underdog Fantasy Football. Are you really sitting shirtless in a hot tub right now? I'm actually not only shirtless, but oh, well, you're, never mind. You're, you're, you've gone. You've gone. The, where, where are you? So you're in San Diego. That's what's going on. Yes, sir. What, Morning what? coffee, and uh, 
I didn't bring a bathing suit, but you don't need one here. Yeah, so it's all good. That's, that's the rule in San Diego. What are you doing that you are sitting naked in a hot tub in San Diego right now? Like on it. By the way, Drew Forrester actually, is with us. I have shorts on. Oh. You can't see him, but I have shorts. Um, I'm playing a golf tournament. Of course, you're playing in a golf tournament. By the way, the internet in the hot tub, not not ideal. I'm just going to point that out. We might have to make other arrangements. Not ideal, the internet. Why? It's, it's, it's just not ideal. Okay, I That's hear you fine. Right. All right, good. We don't hear you. You're a little bit Should choppier. I? Okay, hold on. I can take off my headset. Is that better? It might be. Is this better? Can you hear me better? Eh, we'll see. We'll see how this goes. We'll, tr- we'll try this. Well, it's giving us an echo back, but we'll see how that goes. We'll I can hear you. Work. I can hear you fine. Well, that's good. I can take I'm, the headset off. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that you can hear us fine. Uh, First of us, topic of the day. Let's pause topic of the day um, yeah. for the meeting. Let's get that out of the way. Paul, you want to read that to, to Glenn? Wait, what? Today's what? topic. What's, wait, 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 wait. What? <laughs> what? 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 What is going on? There's a topic of the meeting, and we have to address these with Paul each and every. Oh, week. this is this is, the, yeah, the title of the meeting. We 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 first have to address is the, the fact that topic, Paul. Yeah, yeah, Drew. Unfortunately, Paul discusses falling asleep on his wedding night without. Oh no! Oh no! Well, you know what, man? I know you did a little drinking. It happens, man. It happens. It was a long day. Paul, we've all right? we've all been there. We've all had a few <laughs> nights. Paul discusses falling asleep on his wedding night without making all the proper rounds to all of his guests. There was about oh, a ton of it, people that I didn't that's get, what I didn't it get was. to talk That's to. tough. That's a tough thing. It's yeah. a, and there's a lot of people at a wedding, obviously, yeah. so it's difficult to, to get over to say hello. I know what you're point. trying to do there, Drew. Oh, nice, do- nice dodge. Nice yeah. dodge. You must have been a lacrosse player. <laughs> that's not uh, bad. Baseball, man. That's not bad. All right. What's going on in your well, world? You handled that well, Paul. Thank you, sir. What, I, I, um... I don't know. I mean, the Ravens are six and two, and I have as much confidence in them being. I don't even know what's going to happen. And this is one of the most interesting seasons of Ravens football I can ever remember. I agree. I agree. I'm curious. It's 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 very interesting. It's incredible how this has played out, and the the twists and turns of this thing, and how every week that kid figures out a way to win. Uh, correct. It's unbelievable. He's, he's really it's, good. It's, but it, but it, it, here's the thing. He, I'm not. I know he's really good. So when I say what I'm about to say, don't jump all over me. I know he's really good, but he still does things every game. And you're like, dude, what are you doing? Sure. And yet, the other team, like the ball that the kid picked off the other night, which was a nice play, the bar kid picked it off. Like, if. If that guy, if Cousins somehow navigates them down the field and they kick the field goal and they win, Lamar gets roasted. But it, but it doesn't happen that way, right? And the Ravens' defense stands tall, and then he takes them down the field and Tucker hits the field goal. And so when I say that these are the kind of guys you want, you want these guys who like lead a charmed life. People get offended by that because you want to say like, sounds like you're saying he's lucky. I don't know that I'm saying he's lucky. I think that he's he. There is something about him though that you can't deny, and that is that he's like a cat. Is when it, he falls off the roof, he always seems to land on his feet. Well, and it, I think it, it's it speaks to his moxie too, in a way, right? By the way, you're about to lose me on camera because I got to try to fix something. Um, it, it speaks to his moxie. It speaks to someone who is not overwhelmed. When you bring up these things that you're talking about, like that interception. 
He's not overwhelmed by that. That's not going to ruin him. That's not going to affect him. He has this uncanny. It, it's I I I don't want to make a, I don't want to say I compare it to Joe Flacco, but in a weird way, I compare it to Joe Flacco. Like this stuff just doesn't phase him the same right. way. Right. Right. No, I, I I I'm a I'm constantly, I am constantly amazed at how they extricate themselves out of these bizarre situations. And he's, you know, every week they do something improbable, it seems. Um, you know, down 24 to 10 at home and to start the, basically to start the third quarter is not insurmountable by any means. But, you know, they just keep doing this and they keep going back to the well and they keep going back to the well. And every time they come, they go to the well, they come out with more water. I mean, it. Right. No, it's, it's been very compelling. No, I, I find this season to be really fascinating. And I, I don't know. I mean, I, here's the deal, right? I wouldn't wager anything on them to do anything. But I also, you with anyone who said to me, dude, I got a feeling. I just went and put five grand on the Ravens to win the Super Bowl. I would say, dude, that might be a pretty good bet. Right. I don't know that I would do it with my five grand, but but there is nothing that they aren't capable of doing, I don't think. And yet, they have blemishes everywhere. Some of those born out of their injuries, some of them born out of lack of quality of play, and some of it just born out of, you know, not everybody plays well every week. But they overcome those and it's just weird right the Ravens had no quarterback forever the, he would win games 16 to 13 and 17 to 10 and you and I'd be on the radio every morning yep. after they won 10 to 9 Yep. and everyone in town hated it right mm-hmm. they still won for the most part they still won threw away that 7-3 yeah, you, you, record you, against you, you lost your you mind know, there were years you, you, fl- yeah, you flipped they, out on they, everybody they, but they were there were years where they were they were good, but the football was so bland that we all hated it, right? But they still won. Now, and Joe did some of this, I think, in fairness. And, and Joe also, there were times when they were bland with Joe, but Joe was a new, they continued to win, and Joe was actually somewhat exciting, albeit with receivers of very little quality. Right. They still figured out a way, right? Now, we're actually winning games sort of like the way the Falcons used to win. We just won. 34-31, 28-26, 29-24. Or the, or the Colts, frankly. Like this, the, the Peyton Manning era, Colts, right. it's a similar story. Right. So we're winning like that, and now we're kind of seeing the. it's so diametrically opposite to the way it used to be. And I think there's still, for people like you and I who have watched the games forever, there is still a little bit of culture shock when you see the defense getting run over like they are, and you sure. see these people breaking off 68-yard runs, and you're like, who the hell are we watching? Right. But then you see Lamar play football, and you see the pass catchers, and you see that kid Duvernay grab that pass, and you're like, and who is this team? Well, I, it all happens in the same game. Drew, I think that's the the one thing to me. Like, all of the things that you bring up. Drew Forrester is with us. Drew'sMorningDish.com. What you're bringing up about, you know, it being weird and we're kind of shocked and watching the defense this way. What you're seeing with these wide receivers right now is unlike anything we've seen in Baltimore at the wide receiver position before. And it's almost, in a weird way, a bigger story to me 
then the concerns about the defense or them not getting the run game going. Like, I, I'm not trying to be too hyperbolic about it because I get it. We're three games into Rashad Bateman's career, and, you know, Marquise Brown, a year ago at this time, we were like, eh, I'm not sure if this guy's any good at all. But the way that he's played for the last calendar year, combined with just how good Rashad Bateman has looked so early, this is something we've never seen before in Baltimore. Two wide receivers, totally this young and this good. Totally I mean, there's no question. I mean, yep. we we might not have had a composite receiver group this of this quality since Alexander and Jackson, um, right? Yeah, Jackson, right? Yeah. right? Um, and but those guys were veterans. Yep. They, it, this is a group. I mean, I think you know they're going to have a decision to make on Hollywood. I think in theory, we all know what they're going to do, right? For the most part, I think we know. They're very likely going to try to give him a, a new deal, right? Mm-hmm. But um, you know, and they have a decision to make on the quarterback. Clearly, well, there's what, I mean, what decision do they have to make about the quarterback? They're gonna, they're gonna have to bank up the job. I mean, there's, there's no, they, they have a decision to make in Cleveland. In Cleveland, there's a decision they have to make, right? Like they actually have to think about it for a second. There's no decision uh, to be okay. made in Baltimore. I, I guess there isn't a decision to make about retaining him. The decision will come in. Is, is there any chance? And I'm, I'm just asking, is there any chance that the Ravens say to him, 400 million sound. And he says, doesn't quite sound like 700 million. Yeah. I mean, sure. There's like, is there any, right. Is there any chance that he pulls and everything about him in the BO. But you know this because we've talked about this for years. The pressure on this kid from above, not God, but from above, meaning from the Players Association, the pressure on this kid to sign sort of mammoth deal mm-hmm. is going to be and, you know, Ozzy always says, it takes one team to do it. What it says to the Ravens, and maybe 700 was a, a non-realistic number, but maybe 600 is. And what if the Ravens say, dude, we got $400 million for you, 200 of it guaranteed. And he says, I'm thinking more like 400 and 600. Is there any chance at all the Ravens would say, you push yourself out? Yeah, I. So I'm asking. I, and so when I say they have a they have a decision to make, I, I guess I'm saying that based on the fact that I think he's going to get enormous pressure to sign some sort of landmark contract. Right. That's all I'm saying. I I I, I don't well, think there's any decision about keeping him. No. Although, and I wrote this today at Drew's Morning Dish. It, it is, it is worth discussing that really only four quarterbacks have ever won a Super Bowl after they signed their legacy contract. Well, that's, and that's fine. one of those guys, yeah. well, it is it is worth at least talking about. One of the guys is Rodgers, and he was in his first year, and the cap hit was really low. There have only been three guys to ever win a Super Bowl in the midst of their legacy deal, yeah. Brady and the Penny. Right. No and, one else has ever done it. And, and, and that's fine. And, 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 I, and, I, and the I, reason for that – the reason for that isn't because they become worse quarterback. The reason is because when you give them the kind of money that those contracts provide, 
it disables you from a cap standpoint. Right. So, right. So, so you're having a bunch of different conversations all at once, right, when you throw all these things out. Um, and, but that's and, what you have to the Ravens. I'm saying that about – I'm not necessarily saying that about me because I think me in general, I'm going to tell you he's got to be signed. I, I, I'm saying that, right? But I'm also saying that because I saw Kyle Bowler and I saw Anthony Wright and I saw Chris Redman. And I saw Steve McNair, all that. I'm saying that based on that. But what I'm trying to do is be a little bit more sort of well-rounded about it to say, okay, if we give this kid $50 million a year, what happened to him? Well, you, and I do think you have to – I can't imagine Eric DaCosta isn't thinking about that. Well, of course he's thinking about that. So so let's, let's, let's peel back every layer of this, right? Let's try to have this conversation. And we might – I, I, your internet is just unfortunately really choppy out there, Drew. We might end up having to, to pick up the phone and call you, man. I, it's un, it's unfortunate. We've been trying to we've been trying to to, to figure out a way to make it work, um, but let's just see. We'll we'll, we'll 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 push through for a little bit longer and and we'll see what happens. But we might end up having to bail on that. Um, so two things. One, the first thing you bring up, right? The number. I I think we've got that number. It's out there, right? Like Ma, the Mahomes deal didn't reestablish the market. It lived on its own. The market was sort of reestablished after that with, with numbers of, of year-to-year deals, but not in that world where you're talking about $400 million. So the idea that the next would go so far behind Mahomes is such a stretch because the, the deals that followed that didn't do that. Um, and, and you'd have to find who that team is. And to say, is it impossible? Is it impossible that there's one team that's out there that says we, we would pay $600 million over the next 10 years to have Lamar Jackson. I guess it's not impossible, but it's so wildly unlikely that it's it's just not really, to me, even a warranted conversation. The Mahomes deal is the deal, and that's the one that when it happened, we all sat back and said, well, nobody's no nobody's getting that. Well, that's the answer. Lamar Jackson's getting the Mahomes deal. There's no debate about it any longer. Like That's that's the reality. Now, whether he wants it for 10 years or not, because a lot of people would say it's it's not favorable to the player to take a 10-year deal, the, the, the cap can only go up, that's different conversation, right? Like whether he wants to go that long, but the numbers are out there. Like the the notion that he wasn't going to get paid like Patrick Mahomes is completely out the window. He's going to get paid like Patrick Mahomes, and 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 I I get the thought process of well, if somebody's willing to give him Mahomes money, isn't somebody willing to go just a bit beyond Mahomes money? Until we see, you, you got to tell me who that team is, and I just don't see that team on the landscape. That like he and his 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 mother and their representatives are sitting out there and you know, behind the scenes talking to and saying, hey, don't sign anything in Baltimore because if you get to the market, we're giving you $600 million. That- okay, so I'm going to give you some teams that fit that, right? Knowing nothing about their cap, I'm telling you that these are the teams that fit him from a from a, a, a benefit standpoint. The mm-hmm. two New York teams for sure. Yeah. The, the Las Vegas team for sure. Um, he, would, he would be, in my mind, I would think Las Vegas would – if the league had a say in this and they could discreetly funnel some money to some team, Las Vegas would be their number one choice. Or uh, I think the number one choice would be he would be the guy that ends up in L.A. when Matt Stafford retires. I mean, like okay. I, and, I, that, and, they, and that was going to be my next one. Right. My next one was going to be the Rams. Right. Right. He would go to New York or L.A. Or he would go to Vegas, like one of those three but, but, teams. But the, this this conspiracy requires a team to decide now to tell Lamar Jackson, "Don't take a contract." I mean, 
we're, we're throwing out the idea that they're not supposed to be tampering. We all know that, that, that everybody tampers. So we're, we're throwing that out the window. It requires right now for that team to say to Lamar Jackson, don't sign anything because when you get the free agency, we're banking up, we're backing up the Brinks truck. We're giving you the greatest, the richest deal in the history of professional sport, right? Like we're giving you something that no one has ever seen before and not being, you know, thinking through it, remembering that Lamar Jackson could still, not only is he under control for the Ravens for next year, they could still give him two franchise tags after that in order to keep him around. So it requires there being a team right now that's saying three years down the road, come hell or high water, this is what we're doing. We're giving you an insane amount of money. And who knows what might happen over the course of the next three years? Who knows what might happen with Lamar Jackson? Who knows what might happen with the cap? Who knows what might happen with the, the, you know, the quarterback that's on your roster? If you're the New York Jets who's thinking that way, and suddenly next year Zach Wilson is the guy that you thought he was going to be, then this was a silly conversation for you to be having. It's so far-fetched to think that that's something that that is occurring right now that a team is thinking that way that three years down the road we know we're going to be in a position to give you 600 million dollars or whatever it is that it's it's difficult to even have practicality with that conversation okay i would agree with all of that but 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 i also don't think it's improbable that those franchises potentially are having that conversation internally right now. And I guess that's sort of my point. I would agree with you that they're not likely tampering, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they're saying in New York, we know we made a mistake with this kid Jones and we don't have anything really in the offing and we could always give Matt Ryan a two-year deal when he leaves Atlanta this year, but we, you know what? We need to figure out a way to get this money to Lamar. Like, that's all I'm saying. I I think, I think he is a, I I think that would be more relevant if players just became free agents when they became free agents. I I actually would give credence to your argument. I I know like a lot of people are listening like this, thinking this is as conspiracy theory, tin foil hat stuff as it gets. No, it's not conspiracy theory at all. It's the best player in the league. Well, it, it, it's not conspiracy theory. It is. It is because. Ty- no, it's not. But it, no, it's it wouldn't. It wouldn't be if, if he was going to be. If, if he was going to be a free agent next year, really going to be a free agent next year, it wouldn't be. But that's not the way the NFL works. He's what not. Do you mean he's not going to be a free agent. There's a franchise tag. You're the, the the Ravens aren't allowing Lamar Jackson to just walk away at the end of the year next year. That doesn't happen. That's not the NFL. The uh, Ravens okay, but- will keep him in Baltimore, come hell or high water. They would be it they, again. If they didn't, they would not only be not the model franchise that we think they are, they'd be the most insane people on the face of the planet. He's not a free agent at the end of next year. The Ravens will have him around no matter what. And so the notion that teams are sitting around and trying to make plans surrounding Lamar Jackson, who isn't actually you know, definitely available for likely three years, because there's no world in which you wouldn't pay the extra amount in order to keep him for a second year under a franchise tag. For three years, that's crazy. It's crazy. You can't, as an organization, make your plans around a guy that's not going to be available for three years. Come on, man. That's that is tinfoil hat stuff. You there? I'm trying to. I'm trying to. Yeah, I'm trying to absorb and compartmentalize all that, and and just say that all of that is correct. 
the, the only exception to that, and I keep going back to this, is if right now they're talking and Lamar's people are saying we want $600 million or 525 or 560 all I'm saying is there could be this evidence of sticker shock with the Ravens that's been going on for six months, and they can't make any inroads. That's all I'm saying. Well, at that point, you're suggesting they're going to— Right. There's more pressure on him to not cave in than any of us can imagine. Yeah, I mean— That's what I think. I might be wrong. Right. But I think he's under immense pressure to not cave in and sign for, air quotes here, only $400 million. That's all I'm saying. Maybe, maybe. I, I don't know, but you might not be wrong. You might not be wrong. That part is, I can't tell you that's tinfoil Because I guess I would that, think this. If you could have signed him, you would have signed him already. Something's uh, not, something isn't right. And I'm not suggesting that there's any I, I, I Okay, you say that. I said this, but I don't know before the season they were going to sign him while he was unvaccinated. I don't know that they were going to do that. I, 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 and I say that not reporting it because I can't say that with certainty, but in poking around with some people that have some ah, poking around, I get it. Yeah, right. Um, I don't know that they were going to announce a deal while he was unvaccinated. Um, and that was something they were worried about. And obviously, there's good reason why they were worried about it, right? The the Green Bay Packers just lost a football game because their quarterback wouldn't get vaccinated. They, they, they would have beat the Chiefs by 30 points on Sunday because well, the Chiefs He got stink. immunized. Yeah, thank you. He did. He got immunized, right? Like, he took care of that. They, Jordan Love is horrendous. They would have won that game oh. by a billion if Aaron Rodgers oh. plays in that game. By the way, the Packers just offered Odell Beckham the veteran minimum. Okay, so we'll see how that plays out. Um, you know, they, that, that, they, they had right to be concerned about Lamar being unvaccinated. Now, once the season began and he decided to go ahead and get that taken care of, it, it, traditionally it's just not the way that it works. And this is, if you're in Lamar's camp, you say, okay, well, let's go out, kick ass all year long, and the deal that you are offering is, is going to be significantly more by the time we get to the end of the year. I, I am not, the conspiracy theory side of that, I'm not buying into because we're, we're so far away from it. The Ravens didn't need to do this after three years. The Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes, and somebody in Kansas City right now might be saying to themselves, why the hell did they do it after three years? Because he looks awful at the moment. Now, I think he's going to be fine. I'm not all that concerned about Patrick Mahomes. They didn't need to do it after three years. They're, he's not th th this okay, notion. So, so what about the other layer? That the, 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 the Super Bowl thing. Right. That presupposes if this kid is a $50 million a year kid, it it hampers your ability right, to right. have a good team. Right. And I and I that part, you know, is it's a it's a more eternal question, right? Which is should you ever be signing a quarterback? And overwhelmingly, I mean literally with a like a 90 I'm trying to think of anyone. The only real example would be Washington with Kirk Cousins, but comparing Kirk Cousins to any of the quarterbacks that we're talking to is is laughable. He's not that guy. By the way, um, his arm is shot, man. It didn't look great. I mean, it didn't look great. Ooh, yeah. His um, arm, I mean even that ball he threw to Jefferson for the touchdown, you know, it had a second and a half of extra airtime right. only because the kid had 10 yards of separation. But Cousins' arm is shot. To this point, 100% of teams that have been in this situation have said, we would rather have a quarterback and have to draft better than not have a quarterback and have more cap room. One, there's 100% of teams right. have made that decision. There is always this thought of, will there be a team that decides to buck that trend? Will there, at some point in the future, be a team that says, 
you know, no, we're going to try something else. We're going to try something different. And that's why the Cleveland argument is is compelling because it's a little bit on both sides, right? Like it's we're not 100% certain about the quarterback and we can say we're not 100% certain about, you know, how much of the cap space that you want to give to the quarterback. There's a little bit on both sides of the equation. We're talking about a scenario where you're 100% certain about the quarterback and yet you try to make this bold decision anyway to say, but we're not going to be the team that ever gives money to a quarterback moving forward. We're going to be the team that constantly changes quarterbacks every five years. And there have been plenty of people that have advocated for that that concept. They just have right. no evidence with which to work in order to say, this. we think this can work too. They have no evidence to point to to say, well, here's why this is actually a better scenario because no one's attempted to do it yet. No one has attempted the thought process of having a quarterback and not paying them. It's it's interesting as an experiment. Um, it's certainly I, it would be something I'd be talking about every day if I were in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield. It would be a very relevant conversation when you've got the quarterback and when you know he's the answer and when the difference is just you're going to have to draft better. I, I mean it. They failed, right? The last time they gave money to a quarterback, they couldn't draft to save their life for five years. Right. They were right. horrendous. Well, and then drafting. here's the other thing, and, and I would say this is the one I, I have a couple of friends who are who are anti Lamar, which is bizarre to me. I mean, but anyway, I, mean, like, I, I, I know uh, they're uh, anti pecan pie. I was going to say, are they what are they what else are they opposed to? Puppies? Right. <laughs> so, um, and, and so this is the one thing I would say about Lamar that's different than Joe, that to me is why I'm. Like people always say to me, like, what do you what do you like about that guy? What do you see in that guy? And my easiest answer is he is unpredictable. And in the NFL, where coaches and scouts and analysts sit down and try to predict every week what the other team is going to do so that they can then prepare their game plan, he doesn't allow for that. Joe was much more, you know, drop back, throw the ball, kind of. Joe was, I wouldn't say bland or predictable, but Joe's not Lamar because no one's Lamar. But the thing about Lamar that really makes him stand out to me is how unpredictable he is, which means I think he's very difficult to coach against, game plan against. And there is a tangible, there is, I don't know what the money number is, but there's another additional tangible value to that, that like, you, you've got a guy right now that no one can figure out. Why why wouldn't you just keep him around until, A, he either gets figured out, or, B, he plays 14 years and then leaves? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's exactly what I would do. And, and I, you know, I still I, I overwhelmingly assume that that's exactly what's going to happen in Baltimore. It's just I, – I, I get it. We are all – this is what happens when the team is 6-2 and two and there's not as much to complain about. We're looking for something. We're desperate for something. But I think right. this is going to be fine. I, I don't think this is that much of a story. The Ravens are years away from this being a problem because that's the nature of the franchise tag. And they, they have more leverage than people realize they do because, again, it is – we are years away from Lamar Jackson even potentially being a free agent couple of points here. One, Drew, you said that Lamar's under intense pressure from his people. Aren't his people, unless I missed something, aren't his people he No, he's talking, about, he's talking about a greater group of people. A greater group of people that represents players. A greater that, Like when you are this type of transcendent talent. Oh, like, like the Players Association yes, type correct. of thing. Now, yes. th- my question is, 
I feel like Kirk Cousins, he when he kept being franchised, became disenchanted with Washington because they wouldn't commit to him, they wouldn't pay him. Doesn't it send the wrong message to Lamar to franchise tag him and then potentially do it again a second year in a but, row? But they were very clear. So, so this is a this is a, this is a great conversation to have. Washington was actually confused about Kirk Cousins mm-hmm. for good reason. Kirk Cousins was not a a a a high. You can call him a franchise quarterback in the way that like you can do worse than Kirk Cousins. But we're not talking about a guy that was a top-five quarterback in the NFL. Right. There was good reason for Washington to not know what to do about Kirk Cousins. They didn't scout him as a guy that was going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. He played just well enough. that They actually needed the time to figure out if Kirk Cousins was really the guy or not. They mm-hmm. had to do that. Presumably, if you're doing it in Baltimore, it's because you've attempted to sign Lamar. What we're talking about is you're doing everything your power to sign Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's just saying... I'm only going to sign if you give me a billion dollars. That's the only reason why you'd be doing something like right. this. And at that point, if that's what it is, then you get your seven years out of them, and you say then, all right, and we can, at the end of seven years, you can be gone. If it's if it's a billion dollars or nothing, then we're going to take it for seven years. You can be as mad as you want to be about it, uh, but this is the way that it's going to work. If you're going to say, come hell or high water, it's a billion dollars or I'm not signing. I mean, that's, that's, that's a fair I'm point. Not a, I'm, I'm not a franchise tag fan. So I think you know that I never yeah, have been. Man, I don't love I mean, it. I'm just not. I, I think it's, and and I assume unless you're a guy who caught lightning in a bottle, and you don't mind a one-time sixteen million dollar check or something, I assume most players are offended by it. Oh, in I, the end, I think ultimately, but I also think that they understand how the business works, and if they're doing well, it to extend time just to get the deal done, right? And like, and we've seen this franchise tag to me is like a root canal. It's always better when someone else has it. Uh, 100%. But we've seen this multiple times in Ravens history where they used the franchise tag just to buy themselves more time to get a deal done, right? Like, yeah, sure. Terrell Suggs got franchise tagged. It was only because they needed a little right. bit more They needed a little bit more time to finish off getting a long-term deal done. That's, they should have used it on Wilcox. Ah, I know. You're still – by the way, how jealous are you of Bo? How jealous are you that Bo's doing oh, a podcast talk, with him now? I don't talk to Bo anymore. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I can. Hey, I gotta go. I'm on the tee in a little while. Are you for real? Is that you gotta? Oh, it's 11:56. Yeah. I just realized that. All right. What? I, mean, what? I, got a, I got a real life to lead here. Okay, quickly. Let's play. Would you rather Wednesday? All right. Okay, go ahead. Quickly. Uh, would you rather Wednesday? Number one. Would you rather today Odell Beckham signs with the Chiefs or with the Patriots? Honestly, probably the Patriots because I, I I think history has showed he he's he'll he'll detract. And I'm a little nervous about the Patriots. Okay, it's interesting. The responses to this are kind of all over the place. I <laughs> know it's an it's an interesting response. And then number two, uh, well, you're actually not far from 70 years old. So imagine you were a younger man, right? Imagine you were you were still that you you weren't. Uh, what are you now? 67? Is that about where you are? Imagine you, you were a little. Yourself. <laughs> imagine, imagine you were a younger man. Okay. I can. You will look like Paul Rudd until you're literally 70 years old. Okay. But. It means every season, your favorite teams, the Orioles, the Ravens, you know, for you, I, I know you love the Yankees, of course, and the Steelers, um, and Duke, you Duke. Lo- love them. Uh, they're never going to have a winning season. They will be under 500 for the entirety of the time that you look like Paul Rudd until you're 70 years old. Or, uh, or, uh, or you look like Danny DeVito, but you get a championship from one of your favorite teams every five years. 
Am I as short as DeVito? Or oh, just yeah. Look you, no, you are. You are. You look like Danny DeVito. That's that's who you physically resemble now. I mean, because Paul kind of looks like DeVito, but in a more handsome sort of way. I'm convinced about? that Memo froze because you weren't wearing a shirt. Yeah, so I wouldn't might, go might there. Some, might have something to do with it. Might be the case. Um, I'll take the DeVito thing. I want my teams to win. I, I. It's been so long since the Orioles won. I. I'm, this is a bad question to ask me. But that's <laughs> that's why I think I might. Make, all right, we'll we'll talk about it. You you got to go. Drewsmorningdish.com. That's the website. I will see you boys. Um, I'll be unfortunately back uh, next week. Hey, uh, what are you doing uh, next Sunday? You want to do post game with me? What What's the date? Oh, for God's sakes! How am I supposed to know dates? The twenty uh, first. That's. Sounds doable. All right, I'll I'll text you. Let me send me a text. That sounds right. doable. All right, very good. All right, Drew Forrester, appreciate you, pal. Drew's MorningDish.com at it's a hooded forearm on Twitter. There's so much that just happened there. We really dove into some conspiracy theory stuff. Um, I, I want to get to Would You Rather Wednesday. Let me let me cover a couple things really quickly. Uh, every seat is the best seat at M&T Bank Stadium. Don't miss a moment. Of Ravens football this season, single game tickets are now available at BaltimoreRavens.com/tickets. I actually am not even mad at Drew for going down the conspiracy theory route because I get it. You're trying to spark conversation, and I appreciate conversation. And, you know, until Lamar Jackson signs the deal, there will always be some part of us that sits back and says, why hasn't he signed it yet? What, what What's going on? There will always be that in the back of your mind. But it's not like when we were dealing, we had this paranoia related to Manny Machado for years. I think the first time I wrote a, a Manny Machado paranoia column, I want to say we had somebody like Tim Kirchner or Buster Olney on the show one day. And it was in like, yeah, maybe, in two, maybe in 2015. And I, and I brought it up then. I said, I'm a bit panicked about this. And whoever it was, I think it was Kirchner, he was like, what are you talking about, Glenn? Like, what? Enjoy it. Enjoy. What do you What do you mean? Are you panicked about it? Enjoy it. Have fun. This is you know. And like, I get what he was trying to say, but I don't. And I ended up writing a column about it in the aftermath. I said, you don't get how terrifying this is. That you have a generational transcendent talent unlike anything we've seen here, and you're terrified that the organization is going to screw it up. You're terrified, which is exactly what they did. Yeah. You're terrified. Because in that moment, in 15 was when I first started saying, if you don't know that you're going to sign this player long-term, you have to start thinking. It's why people got mad at me about talking about it with John Means the day after the no-hitter. I need to know that there's a plan. I need to know that there's a thought process. And at the point in 2015, I didn't know. Were they definitely going to go all in to try to win a World Series before they let Manny Machado walk? Were they, because the terrifying part was the idea that they just sat in purgatory. They just sort of sat and said, we're going to allow this asset to depreciate in value. We're not going to sign him. And we're not going to do anything in the meantime. They didn't win a playoff game after 2014. Mm -mm. And so I was panicked about it. And this isn't me trying to pat myself on the back and say, look how right I was. I wish that I would have been wrong. I wish they would have done anything. They would have done any of the three scenarios they could have done with Manny Machado. Gone all in, signing players, try to boost a World Series run, done, you know, traded him early, traded him when he still had a lot of value and could have gotten you something that would have changed the course of your franchise or signed him. Any of those scenarios would have been fine by me. They didn't do any of those three. They did nothing, zero. And I was panicked about it. So I think that sometimes we get caught up in those, those emotions and we say we're panicked about what might happen with Lamar Jackson. Football is so different. 
free agency isn't really free agency. And they know that during negotiations. That's, that's the part of this where in other scenarios, they can say, well, we're not that far away from just being able to leave. Why would we sign a deal that's favorable to you right now? We're just not that far away from being able to negotiate with everybody. And in football, that's not the case. Lamar Jackson isn't really a free agent after the 2022 season. Mm -hmm. The Ravens still control whether or not he'll be back for a couple of years after that. That helps them. That gives them leverage in these conversations. I can see your scenario playing out where they give him a franchise tag just to give themselves some more time to work out a contract with him. What, your worst-case scenario where he gets two franchise tags and then you let him walk after seven years, um, thank you for your services. I just don't think that they would ever do that because that's such a PR hit, in, in my opinion. I think that you, you're The only way that something like that occurs is it literally the scenario that we're talking about where they're saying it's a billion dollars or nothing, where, where they're saying it's such an absurd amount of money. Right. That that you just said there's no way. That's the only scenario in which I'm not actually trying to put that into the ether as being something that I think no. could happen. It's a one in a million that Lamar and his camp. And again, we're I am openly acknowledging we're going down the road of conspiracy theory, mm-hmm. where Lamar and his camp walk into a room and say the number's a billion dollars. If you're not paying us that, we're out. And they say, okay, well we're not paying you that, but we got you for three years. We're gonna go try to win a Super Bowl in those three years. Now, somebody would say, well, why wouldn't you immediately try to trade him at that point, right? Like, wouldn't that be the first thing that you would attempt to do? Well, if you think you've got the, you have constructed a roster, if you don't win the Super Bowl this year, but you look at the roster and say, no, nah, we got a, a window right now where we think we can win the Super Bowl, then you prioritize that in what you do with Lamar Jackson. And if everybody else in the league knows you're not going to sign him, that hurts you in trade asset, right? Like, that hurts you in what his value is. So you go that route. But it's it's... It's absurd. We have no reason, zero reason, and I want to make this abundantly clear, zero reason to think that Lamar Jackson is prepared to hold the Ravens hostage for some obscene amount of money, some perverted, never-before-seen amount of money in football history. We have no reason to think that's the case. The much more likely scenario is two months ago we thought, well, he's not, you know, he's going to get money, but he's not going to get Patrick Mahomes' money. Well, now we're sitting here two months later and saying, no, that's that's exactly the deal. Mm-hmm. It's just a, the question, and we brought this up with um, Lee Steinberg, Patrick Mahomes' agent, a couple weeks ago. It's just a question of whether or not Lamar would want to do the length of Patrick Mahomes' deal. And and the, the Ravens, like, the money itself, I mean, we kind of know what it is. Is it possible that they say, it's if, if whatever I'm trying to remember off the top of my head what the actual annual value of the Mahomes deal is. It's got to be a million more than that. We got to be able to say we got a million more per year than Mahomes. We might be at that point. Something like we twelve might, years, five hundred million, right? We, uh, but uh, he was ten years and oh, hang on, Mahomes contract was. Sorry, I should know this off the top of my head. It was uh, twelve one forty one. Okay, so twelve one forty one was the number for Mahomes. So what does that work out to? That's that's roughly twelve. Uh, hang on a second. Twelve. Wait. Twelve. Five forty one. That's in guarantees. Sorry, guarantees is twelve and one forty one. Mm-hmm. So it's twelve million of guaranteed money per year. The actual. Sorry, I'm I'm trying to. I'm trying to to pull out the all the numbers that matter during the course of this. The actual amount of the deal is five hundred million. Yeah, twelve years, five hundred million. It's exactly what it is. Yeah. So you're talking about something that's in the neighborhood of. Uh, I, I can I can do math. 
It's what forty five per year, something like that. Um, oh man, Mr. Radcliffe is screaming at me right <laughs> now. My high school math teacher, who I no, uh, forty one point six yeah. million dollars. So it might very well be that his camp says, "Well, we don't need to do twelve years. We don't need to do a dozen years." But we got to say that we got more money per year than Mahomes did. So you got to make it forty three million per year. Or you've got to make the guarantee number, which was we said what would we just say 140, 141 for Mahomes. You got to make the guarantee number one hundred and fifty mm. for Lamar Jackson. We're at the point where we have to acknowledge that's possible. I mean, the guy is is having a type of season that, if it continues, could be a second MVP year in his first four seasons in the NFL. We have to acknowledge that might be real. It might be real that those are the numbers that you're talking about for a Lamar Jackson deal. Which is crazy, but it ain't six hundred million dollars. Right, I think it is real. Those are the numbers you're talking about. I, oh, I, I don't think there's a might be about it. I think that it is. I mean, I, I mean, we we don't know, right? It, so it's my d- opinion, but right. but you know, I think that that's probably what he's going to be asking for. Why wouldn't he? The the you know? secondary part that Drew brought up. The secondary part of the conversation is is who's going to be the first team that blinks? Who's going to be the first team that just says we're not going to uh, make it, allow our cap to go this way? Is 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 eternally interesting and it's hypothesized all the time by various people surrounding the game of football and media types it's something that's been thrown out a billion times isn't won't one team say we have to burst the bubble at some point mm-hmm. we have to say we can't do this and none of them have not with this type of player comparing it to Kirk Cousins is is laughable there is no comparison between Lamar Jackson and Kirk Cousins. That's not exactly what I was doing. No, I'm not I, saying you. I brought it up before. Mm-hmm. The, 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 to this point, the most successful quarterback that a team has done this with has been Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. There is no comparison between Lamar Jackson and Kirk Cousins. None. Zero. How much of the lack of a deal do you— Because if I recall correctly, when they were in training camp and they were asking Lamar about contract talks and all that— didn't he say once the season starts, I'm not focused on that. I'm focused. Well, that's on what, that's the way. That's the way the football has worked. You don't. You don't do this during the season. Right. Forever. So. For eternally. So it, it, it didn't get done in the preseason. It may or may not. I mean, I, I have reason to think that there is some relation to the his vac- his vaccination status that mm-hmm. they weren't going to announce a contract while Lamar Jackson was unvaccinated. Well, they it could. just it wasn't going to be something they were going to do. Um, because they wanted to to sort of use that to say, hey, man, we, we need you to do this. We need you to step up to the plate. We need you to get this done so we don't end up putting ourselves in the situation that the Packers put themselves in over the weekend where our quarterback wasn't available for a game and, and we lost it and that hurt us, right? Like that was something they needed Lamar Jackson to do. Um, but in the meantime, has Lamar improved his value uh, since then? Yeah. He's been even – he was already unbelievably good and he's been even better. So it might very well be that there was a number that could have gotten the deal done before this season, and the Ravens missed their chance to get the deal done at that number, and now it's going to cost them exponentially more in order to get the deal done because he's been such a good passer this season on top of everything else. Joe Flacco scenario all over again, where he bet on himself. Uh, yeah, and then sort, of, Super right, Bowl sort of, just with money having grown exponentially yeah, since that point. S- right? Similar like, situation. Yes, right? the same concept. It's yeah. just that in, even in a decade, in one decade, we're talking about how much the money has gotten even more wildly out of control um but it's still largely conspiracy theory stuff that we're talking about yeah. uh what are your uh, responses for would you rather wednesday so would you rather the chiefs or the patriots for odell uh, the patriots uh, i i feel like the chiefs are like because 
Mahomes hasn't gotten what he's been expecting out of Michael Hardman and Robinson. Um, I think that if he gets Odell Beckham, Odell's still the player that we think he he is, that that just makes him a, a really dynamic offense all over again. Uh, with the Patriots, I feel like wide receivers, since Randy Moss, go there to die. I don't really see too many wide receivers having big careers in New England over the last several years. I think that Bill Belichick, whatever's going to win the game on that given day is what he's going to do. And so if Odell goes there, it doesn't worry me as much as the Chiefs do. Um, as far as the other one, you're saying I have to look like either Paul Rudd till I'm 70 or Danny DeVito till mm-hmm. I'm 70. But my teams win a championship every five years. Mm-hmm. One of them does. Not every of, not every team every five years. You right. get you get a championship that you care about every five years. Every five years. And if I look like Paul Rudd, they never win. Yep. Oh, I've already got a beautiful wife. I'm, I'll, I'll look like Danny DeVito. You see, this is somebody brought this up before. I can't guarantee you. Like this is, we're going back and doing revisionist history here. This is like the there's a butterfly effect that comes with all of this. I'm not trying to say anything disparaging about your wife, who might love you no matter what you look like, but you might not have that beautiful wife. This might be a uh, talking heads uh, once in a lifetime situation. Oh man, this is not my beautiful wife. Like this, there could be a situation like I'm that. I'm going to assume. That while I think Laura's first initial attraction to me was because of my looks, I think mm. that it, that now but I but I, I think she loves me for way I mean, more. You're, than you're that. thinking this is a Shrek situation, but I'm also like I'm I'm going <laughs> a bit back. Like in this scenario, I've always looked this like might have ha- this might have happened before you ever met your wife. Correct. See, now you're moving the goalposts. No, I'm not moving the goalposts. This it is doesn't the way say this in the... Because I can't put all of that in 280 <laughs> characters. This is the constant thing I had to deal with Kyle all the time. We tried to Kyle it up. You're trying to have your cake and eat it too. You're trying to have have everything every way. You have to realize. I could say the same about you because you don't have this in the tweet. It just says you have to look like Danny DeVito. Why would I not assume it's from this moment on? Because some people are already seventy years old, and so that wouldn't work for them. Well, they don't get to play. You have to be more reasonable about. No, I'm not not going to rule people out of being able to play. You have to be more reasonable about what I'm actually asking, and not trying to assert your own concept oh, into man. the question for the sake of my soul mm. i have to believe that losing my wife and losing everything that i love because i now look like danny devito is not worth sports championships so if i get to keep everything in my life the way it is and by the way i and maybe become I, a famous hollywood I, actor i can't tell you that you don't get your wife i can't tell you I, i'm not it's just that you can't there's it's unknown in these circumstances is all that it is. It could be anything. You might say to yourself, "Well, I would just have such a great personality that I would have a beautiful wife." That was the case. You, you know what? I'm going to stick with my original answer. I'll look like Danny DeVito. I will be selfless and let all the people in Baltimore have ah, championships look at you. every five you years. You hero. Look at you, you hero. It's been all over the place, by the way. The Beckham one uh, responses. Paul Novilando. I want him to go to New England. New England is still, uh, probably still going to be conservative with Jones, a quarterback this season, continue to run more and throw short, so I don't think he'll have great impact with them. Stack guy, I'd rather go to the Chiefs because it wouldn't exponentially improve their roster in the same way that it would the Pats. Not that ODB is Randy Moss in any way, but I'm old enough to remember when that was quite the thing. Uh, from KZ, the Chiefs, let him go there and be happy with three targets a week, LOL. Uh, Ian, Patriots, Chiefs are the bigger threat uh, now, and that would only multiply with Odell. Bryce, I'm going to say the Pats. Curious to see if OBJ could follow the Patriot way. Uh, from P, I'd like to see him on the Chiefs. Odell and Gordon would be the one of the best wide receiver duos in the league if it was 2014. 
Sai, oh no, he doesn't really answer. He just says, you're ruining my day. Uh, Lou, the Chiefs. Uh, M, definitely the Chiefs. Definitely the Chefs. They're struggling, and I would love Odell to be the nail in the coffin. See, this is where this, this one has been split, because some people think Odell's going to help the team that he goes to, and other people think that he's going to implode the team that he goes to. It's why the responses have been so interesting. Antonio, the Patriots, I hate the Chiefs. Um. Then, um. Oh man, I have even more. I have a ton of responses. We got a lot of action today on Would You Rather Wednesday. It's been a busy day for Would You Rather Wednesday. Uh, Chris, the Chiefs. He isn't going to help either team that much, but I'm much less concerned about the Chiefs. I think that's been interesting too. Is who people think is a bigger threat between Kansas City and New England. Uh, Michael ODB signs of the Patriots. Uh, Chiefs for Keith. I'm worried about the Patriots if we have to play them. Uh, from Doug, the Chiefs, the Patriots have a history of resurrecting problem children. And then for number two, uh, uh, the honest answer is Paul Rudd. Selfishness, selfishness is my middle name. I appreciate the honesty from people that are saying Paul Rudd. I think the answer for me would have to be Paul Rudd. Uh, don't get me wrong. I love watching my team win a championship, but like, how does it help me exactly? Like, In which way is my life better? Whereas if I look like Paul Rudd until I'm 70 years old, I think I'm going to be able to use that to my benefit. Well, what happens at 70? What happens when you no longer look like Paul I think Paul you just Rudd? die at that point. You just fall off a cliff. Over. It's just, yeah. I mean, like, come on. We're being, I'm only trying to be reasonable here. Like Paul Rudd, I get, looks like that until he's 52, which is insane. If he still looks like that at 70, I mean, my God. You, you know what I mean? You're trying to be reasonable, but tell me there's a butterfly effect. I might lose my wife. It's like, reality, man. You got it. When you step into <laughs> this world, reality. you got to step into this world. <laughs> you're not prepared for it. You don't understand the game. Uh, Keith, I'll take Danny DeVito. I couldn't take 20-plus uh, more years of no championships. Well, if you're a Ravens fan, you haven't gone 20-plus years. Uh, Michael, uh, uh, he's, trying to, he's trying to play that bit. He's trying to do the, um, I don't think my wife would mind. I cannot promise you, Brian brought this up too, I cannot promise you that everything else in your, li else in your life stays the same. Remember when Shrek thought he was getting that promise, right? He could just have a day of going back to being an ogre and everything was going to be fine. And then he came back and found out that wasn't the case. And in that one day, the whole world had been flipped upside down. You don't get that promise when you're dealing with these scenarios, man. You can't. This is the eternal world of us wanting to have everything. It doesn't Gl get to work. Glenn that way. and Shrek writing the rules of Would You Rather. Hey, man, it's the way it goes. It's the way it goes. Uh, one time uh, when, when, I was, when I was younger, I want to say it was like 19, 18, something like that. Uh, I let a girl that I was dating um, uh, give me like a, a, a what the, the stuff that, like women put on their face at night, like it was a bit, and they were like, "We're gonna put this green goop on your face," and mm -hmm. I was like, "All right." And we were hanging out with a bunch of our friends, including my buddy's cousin, and she was there, and she was probably like 16 at the time, and um, she's like, "You look like Shrek," and I was like, "Oh, that's it's quite the he's an ogre, like that's quite the <laughs> shot that you're taking, <laughs> like what are you saying about me?" I ended up dating that girl five years later. Nice. Very strange how that all worked out. Glenn's revenge. Very strange how that all worked out. All right, continue to get me responses for Would You Rather Wednesday. We will share them throughout the course of the day. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. We'll come back in. Tidbit Tubio to wrap it up. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Come in for Glory Burgers, Glory Wings. There's glory for everyone at Glory Days Grill. Enjoy their award-winning burgers, ribs, and wings, or try our fresh salads, hand-cut salmon, 
or our scrumptious sandwiches. Yum! Come in for our daily specials every weekday like $6.99 burgers on Mondays and $5.99 nachos on Thursdays. And watch football on their big screens every Monday, Thursday, and Sunday. Dine in and let us serve you or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and take it home. Visit us at glorydaysgrill.com for a location near you. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. I've driven my tractor trailer millions of miles and I've seen it all. The next time you change lanes when driving, remember because of the sheer weight and size of my truck, I'm not able to stop quickly if you cut me off and brake suddenly. One wrong decision could change our lives forever. Trucks need room to stop. Don't cut it close. Brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation State Highway Administration. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. I love you more than selfie poses. I love you more than spraying hoses. I love you more than bird calls. But not as much as football. Celebrate your love of football with Raven Scratch-Offs from the Maryland Lottery. Win up to $100,000 instantly or second chance cash in Raven's prizes. I love you more than snowballs. But not as much as football. Play Raven Scratch-Offs at any Maryland Lottery retailer. Please play responsibly. Once again this season, PressBox's Project Game Day is the destination at halftime and postgame for every Baltimore football game. You want to talk about the game without all the nonsense, coach speak, and fluff of your typical show? Tune into Project Game Day. Glenn Clark is with you at halftime, and he's once again joined postgame by your favorite analysts like the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard, Ken Zalis, and more. Watch the show at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports and listen at PressBoxOnline.com Radio. Pressbox's Project Game Day, every game day, presented by Glory Days Grill and Window Nation. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. Print issue of Press Box. Pick it up right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms. Any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Press Box or read it all. PressBoxOnline.com. Brenda Freeze is on the cover. 20 years as head coach at the University of Maryland. Again, pick up that print issue of Press Box right now. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by Underdog Fantasy Football. We will match up to $100. If you've not signed up yet for Underdog Fantasy Football, if you're not having fun playing along, doing what you're allowed to do because you still can't bet on sports in the state of Maryland, don't waste any more time. Download the Underdog app. Go to underdogfantasy.com. Use the code PRESSBOX. When you deposit up to $100, we will match it. Again, Underdog Fantasy Football, underdogfantasy.com. What you got, Paul? Nope, need your microphone on for sure. Yeah. Uh, so first and foremost, is his name a Dallas or a Dalius? Because I've heard it 
Adelius. Adelius, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adelius Thomas joined the show yesterday. Thomas enjoyed a nice career in Baltimore, compiling 38.5 sacks in seven seasons, good enough for fifth most in franchise history. Mm-hmm. Thomas also had five defensive touchdowns in his Ravens career, including three in 2005. In fact, Adelius Thomas is one of just two players in Ravens history with three defensive touchdowns in one season um, when he did it in 2005. Ed Reed joined him in that rarefied air in 2008. I would, in, have, I would have guessed Ed Reed, but yeah. sure. Yeah. In Ravens history, but it's kind of funny that Thomas did it first. In Ravens history, aside he was, from... He was here for... That's true. <laughs> that does help. That's true, but only for like two years. Yeah. In Ravens history, aside from Reed, who had nine, and Adelius Thomas, who had five, seven other players have at least three defensive touchdowns in their Ravens career. Who are they? Seven players, three defensive touchdowns mm-hmm. in their Ravens career. Uh, does this include the playoffs? Is that no the, the regular season? The regular season. Um, I'll say Ray Lewis. Uh, Ray Lewis tied for fourth with three. I'll say. I'll say Chris McAllister. Chris McAllister second on franchise history with six. How about? Oh, it does kind of get tricky from there. Terrell Suggs. Terrell Suggs tied for fourth with three. So those, and you said how many more were there? So you got McAllister, Lewis, yeah, Lewis and, and Suggs. Suggs. You got four more. Four more. Yikes. Um, I mean, I can't remember him, but I'm at Marlon Humphrey. No. Okay. I think he is one. Ladarius Webb. No. Interceptions being the most likely way to get a defensive touchdown. But some of them had interceptions and fumbles. Well, I understand that, but it's just the most likely way, yeah. is my point, to get yeah. a defensive touchdown. If it helps uh, any... Eh, I'm not there yet. I'm okay. not there yet. I'm not there yet. Let me okay. uh, let me fi- let me figure it out. Uh, Jimmy Smith. Jimmy Smith, tied for fourth with three. <sighs> How about... Dewan Landry. Dewan Landry, three. I don't remember those, but... I remember a couple. Try, you're just trying to think of, of opportunities. Some laterals from Ed Reed. Um, One's really obvious, one is not. I said, and I said Marlon Humphrey, right? You did. I did say Marlon Humphrey. How about... How about... Marcus Peters. No. How about... Um, Trying to think of uh, of other of other safeties. I'm trying to think of how about um, Dwayne Starks. Nope. How about Rod Woodson? Rod Woodson. That's the one really? I feel like you were just forgetting about. He had five. Well, he wasn't here that long either. That, I mean, that's he was here long enough to get long. Five. I mean, right? But he wasn't here for very long. Like that's remarkable that he had five. Uh, and there's one more. You say one more. I'd be one I'd be shocked if you got this you. one. You'd be shocked if I got this one. Yeah. So it's a bit more uh, Haruki Nakamura. No. Nope. Tom Ziberkowski. No. Nope. Mm, Will Demps. No. Nope. How about uh, boy? Is it is it a defensive back? Yes. Okay. It's a defensive back. Corey Graham. No. Ha! I might be shocked if I get it too. Uh, James Trapp. Bowser's bouts. Uh, <laughs> how about uh, Josh Wilson? No. How about uh, Jim Leonard? No. 
It's Deion Sanders. No. Although he did have a couple punt returns. It's Kerry Williams. Very close, but no. Very close, but no. Because it's Chad Williams. It's Chad Williams. I never in a million years would yeah. have imagined. I don't remember that at all. Neither do I, but it, it's a Williams. thing. Chad Williams. Chad Williams. I think he was only here for like two years. Uh, I thought it was a little bit longer than that. Was it really only two years, Chad Williams? Maybe it, maybe it was longer. Chad maybe it was. I, I thought it said 2005, 2006, but maybe it was 2000 yeah, to 2006. Chad Williams, 2002 to 2005, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought he was here for a little bit. He is uh, currently the cornerbacks coach at Southern Miss. I did not know that. How about that? How about that? And we learned something. We learned something. Tidbit was also brought to you by uh, the Tyus Bowser Show which uh, we are looking forward to bringing back next Tuesday night at Mother's in Timonium. Press box, grade 8's memorabilia, make it possible, as does Window Depot, Baltimore, and Duffy's Garage in Baldwin, where I take my vehicles when I need, whenever I have any issues. Duffy'sGarageMD.com, WindowDepotBaltimore.com to find out more. Can I ask a question? Yes. Uh, is it, how does it work that we have Window Nation and Window, window no, Depot? It's not a question you should be asking on air, Paul. That's a, that's something you ask some other time. My apologies. All right. My apologies. <laughs> totally tubular for the evening. Tubular. Um, here's what's coming up tonight for Totally Tubular. The uh, Not as much college basketball tonight as everybody seemed to be in action last night. Coppin State is at DePaul tonight at 9 o'clock on Fox Sports 1. Uh, UMES is at Temple tonight at seven o'clock on ESPN Plus. Some Big Ten hoops. Um, this is a you know obviously last night was the big night for uh, college basketball tonight. A much lighter slate. Uh, Toledo and Bowling Green football seven o'clock on CBS Sports Network. Ball State and Northern Illinois at seven o'clock on ESPN two. Kent State and Central Michigan at eight on ESPNU. The America East Soccer Tournament semifinals tonight. UMBC and New Hampshire at six o'clock. AmericaEast.tv for that. NBC Sports Washington, the Wizards and Cavaliers at 7 o'clock. ESPN for Pistons Rockets at 7.30. Heat Lakers at 10. NHL Network Maple Leafs Flyers at 7.30. TNT's got Wild Coyotes at 10. They also have AEW Dynamite tonight at 8. Non-sports. Um, all the Chicago shows on NBC. Chicago Med, Chicago Fire, Chicago BD from 8 through 11. The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon with Will Ferrell, Lucy Hale, stand-up comic, Dusty Slay, the 11.35. ABC, the 55th annual CMA Awards at 8 o'clock. You never miss them. I've, mi- I've, I've seen all 54. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel In fact, Live. I watched all 54 this week in just the, the lead-up to remember no. my favorite moments in the a, CMAs. What a life you lead. Yeah. Jimmy Kimmel Live featuring Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Hurd, and Marengo Morris. I thought Ryan Reynolds was supposed to be on last week. Maybe they rescheduled. All right. Uh, CBS, uh, CSI Vegas at 10. The Late Show with Stephen Colbert featuring Aubrey Plaza and Bruce Springsteen. I and enjoy Aubrey, Aubrey Plaza's work. Big yeah. fan. Yeah, me too. And uh, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, 8 o'clock on the CW. All right. Very good. Thanks today to Drew Forrester. Thanks also to Patrick Stevens, John Jamie previewing the Dolphins as well as the great Andrea Kramer. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the Archives tab at glenclarkradio.com. Give us uh, just a little bit on that, though, today. i got to run out. Uh, I want to thank, speaking of Duffy's Garage, I want to thank my friend Ben Lamoon from Duffy's, who not only uh, they're coming on board, but um, he's also with Window Depot as well. Um, he is also donating a bunch of clothes to sort of kick off our coat drive for helping up Mission this year. And that I appreciate that a great deal. So I'm going to run out and uh, get those from him. So it might be a little bit later on today for the uh, the individual clips to get posted. But we'll get the show posted up here in a minute. Um, uh, and about the speaking, thank uh, I talk for a living. Thanks to everybody at Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners. I didn't thank I didn't preview tomorrow. I am really a mess now at the end of the show. I don't know what happened to me. I was doing all right today, but I've fallen apart. Coming up on the program tomorrow, um, Colleen Wolf will join us from NFL Network ahead of Thursday Night Football. 
Of course, Ken Zalis will be here as we'll have the Press Box Fantasy Football Show. We'll make our picks and much more. That's coming up on the program tomorrow. Phew. As I was saying, thanks to all of our great par- partners and sponsors, including CCBC, Glory Days Grill, Window Nation. Don't forget Window Nation, that final month for you to take advantage of their best offer ever, two free windows for every two you buy. You know, I, 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 can't, I, I can't put into words what an amazing deal this is. You pay nothing for two full years. Take advantage of it now, 866-90-NATION, windownation.com, in order to find out more. Also, thanks to Royal Farms, Chesapeake Employers Insurance, ExxonMobil, KNS Automotive, the Maryland Lottery, Grade 8's Memorabilia, Sports and Social MD, the Baltimore Ravens, the Maryland Department of Transportation, Underdog Fantasy Football, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com, Duffy's Garage in Baldwin, and Window Depot. Thanks to Paul Valley. Follow him on Twitter, at Paul Valley the Third. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Wednesday evening. Uh, go Coppin. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks, too.